G'day Vermin Lords, AOS Coach, and we are here talking all things Skaven. It's time to revisit the Under Empire and talk about where you are sitting in General's Handbook 2023. I'm here with a very exciting guest, somebody who... I've got some interesting questions for you, Keegan. So I'm here with Mechrat, uh, Keegan Graves, member of the Council of 13, placed second with a 5-0 at Michigan GT, did incredibly well with a 5-0 at Bug Eater, and plenty of other great performances along the way. But I want to talk about Skaven because other YouTube channels, and not mentioning any names, may claim that Skaven is one of the worst armies in the game, and... We are going to refute this because even though your win percentage isn't the greatest, I still think there are legs when it comes to all things uh, Scryer and Master Clan and Pestilence and all that good scavenging things. But before we get into the discussion and we talk about your standings and how you're really making the most of Skaven in 2023, again, given with a bunch of five and O's, including some big tournaments. Let's introduce yourself, Mechrat. Who are you? Where are you from? And why on earth is Skaven the, the army nearest and dearest to your heart? Well, uh, my name is Keegan Graves, as it says right there. Um, I've been playing Warhammer since I think it was second edition with the Soul Wars box, the Night Haunt Stormcast one. Uh, I'd started with that. Uh, Night Haunt was cool, but as soon as I saw that there were like bipedal rats with guns strapped to their chests and walking chemical weapons platforms and stuff like that i was like oh i'm all over this let me please i love skaven their aesthetic is everything for me i love how chaotic the army is how everything explodes hurts itself it's just it's so much fun uh they are are definitely an army that if I didn't play Gloomspite Gits, I think I would definitely play Skaven. I think they kind of share, even when you go back to fantasy battle days, they share a very same kind of archetype and you embrace the chaoticness and things. I'll never forget this one particular game. I think I refer to it every Skaven because it is in essence Skaven where I literally rocked up to the table and my opponent says, this game is going to be crazy. I don't know if you're going to win really quickly or if I'm going to win really quickly because I'm going to blow up or I'm going to do a bunch of mortal wounds. But either way, we're going to have a good time. And that statement has always remained true against Skaven. I've always had a fun game. It's always been crazy. It's always had shenanigans. And win, lose, or draw, it's just been one of those enjoyable games. And why I said if I didn't play Gits, I think I'd definitely play Skaven because... They're just quirky. They're just so much fun. Yep. And there's so much character in Skaven. I don't think any army better embodies chaos, the word, than Skaven. Because that is all that army is. It is chaos. Sometimes you have no idea what's going on. Well, you look at, like, you look at the, the models, right? You know, you look at Mulder and you're like, this is chaotic. Then you look at, like, uh, the Scryer models. And then you look at Eshin and you look at yep. all these different little flavors of Rat. And you're like, yep. Yeah, there's something in this for me. Uh, personally, I'm more of an Eshin guy. And if the rumors are sure. true and if, if Eshin becomes like fourth edition in, in Ulgu, like I think I may, may cross the line and I may be that Skaven player in the end. You're like the fifth person to tell me that if Eshin just gets updated models, 
I'll be all in on Skaven, man. And I'm like, I'm there with you. We got so much, so much stuff that's still metal and resin. It hurts me. But I make it work. We'll get there eventually. GW hasn't forgotten we exist. We did get a warband, so. But, but it's the warband that's doing it for me. Like I look at I look oh, at I know. like I look at night runners, I look at gutter runners, I'm like, yeah, like that's not attracting me. And then you bring slinks into the picture. And you bring yep. in all like the, the the new assassin and you're like, all right, I'm down for this. I'm oh, absolutely. so down for this. It's so good. And the new pestilence warband too. Beautiful yeah. models. That, GW's, I, oh. When GW tries with the Skaven models, they look amazing. Like the the updated and good looking Skaven models, like the Vermin Lords and the Storm Fiends and the the big wagons and all that stuff. Even down to the Grace Ears, they're just phenomenal. They're so good looking. Yeah, it does make you wonder. And I've always wondered, and we're kind of deviating slightly, but that's cool. Like I'm, to- like, that's the exciting thing. And I think about like, why would I get into Skaven, and why would I want to play Skaven? Look, they play great on the table. There's obviously a lot of strengths. There's a lot of versatility. They play in all phases of the game, which I think is really exciting. But what really draws me would be the models, and it makes me wonder because I've been there, like I've been there since the early. Here's a fun fact for you. I don't know if I've ever said this story, but some of my earliest models was the original first edition Skaven Blood Bowl team. Wow. So this was this was back when Skaven was more like a were rat for anyone who plays Dungeons and Dragons. They were more like were rats as opposed to the Skaven we know today. And I remember having these models and I'm like, this is really cool. And I've seen the evolution over time and it makes me wonder what would Games Workshop do if they went hard into Mulder? Like the crazy crack science that is that is Mulder. And like mm-hmm. what could you what could you do today with the engineering techniques of Mulder? Yep. Like that's that 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 that, that inspires me. I mean, we've seen this guy. We know we know that this guy, this is about the only good-looking Mulder model that we've got. We know what GW is capable of. They just got to pull through for me. <laughs> All right. I think, I think we're both excited to talk Skaven, Keegan. I think yes, uh, and, and, and people can't feel that passion and excitement. I think uh, we're going to have to turn it up to an 11. But Skaven. Turn it up to we, a 13, excuse you. We are true, true, well played. Well played. See, I told you he's on the council. I told you this, this guest knows what he's talking about. <laughs> so let's talk about General's Handbook 2023. So we're currently four months into the Antorian Acolytes, the Magic, Primal Dice, Blizzards, all of this magic-y type stuff, right? And prior to the, the latest Battle Scroll, and we will get to that in a second, you know, Skaven was kind of having a little bit of a tough time. You you weren't seeing a lot of top performances, you know, and they kind of, you know, like one of the questions I got in preparation for this discussion was it was a feeling like a second edition or an old style book that was just losing pace over, over third edition. So now that we kind of in month four, we've had a battle scroll. How are you feeling about Skaven right now and its ability to compete at a tournament? So obviously when you're talking about Skaven in in terms of third edition and specifically this GHB, the first thing that comes to mind is battle tactics. Battle tactics are very hard for us. We have almost no good book battle tactics, save for the one that we got 
most recent battle scroll, which I'll talk about later. None of our book tactics are great. And we, we generally kind of struggle even with the GHB tactics because Skaven's a very violent and a very uh, fragile army. So a lot of the ones that like require you to retreat out of combat, a lot of your stuff's not still going to be alive in combat when you when the chance comes to do that tactic. And our stuff is so killy. If you do like let into the maelstrom, I found more often than not when I try to do that tactic, I've just killed everything that I've been in combat with. So I end up failing the tactic. So planning ahead for future turns in, in like in terms of scoring battle tactics is really important with us. This GHB, you have to, you can't just wing it and be like, all right, let me look down the battle tactic list. What, what can I possibly do this turn? You got to be really planning that out. Otherwise you're going to, you're going to probably fail two or three battle tactics a game. So planning ahead is like number one, most important. The thing that comes to my mind when you're talking about Skaven this season. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you call that out because this season definitely in third edition is the hardest when it comes to the battle tactics. And you're seeing the armies that are really thriving are the ones that can dip into their own battle tactics and supplement it with General's Handbook, right? And, you know, turn one is probably the hardest battle tactic for a lot of armies at the moment because there is no, like, desecrate their lands. There is no... Remember back... I don't know if you remember, like, when third edition first dropped, there was, like, one that had, like, run three monsters. and Hold hands and run. Like, hold hands and... Like, there used to be, like, some really, really interesting but easy, very easy ones. But now they're there's not a lot of easy ones and often people are kind of dipping into their book and you're right. Like when I look at Skaven, Skaven's battle tactics are quite restrictive because of the way you've got to get these combinations, but it's more than that. You talked about the durability. Like we don't have the Gracie on screaming bell stopping your battle shock. And there's a lot of battle shock kind of shenanigans happening right now. It's, it's a very interesting moment for Skaven, but yet, you've hit a couple of five and oh, so there is light at the end of the tunnel. There is still yep. hope for us rats. Yes, absolutely. And when we get into it, talking about the five O's, uh, the most recent one, I think I failed a battle tactic every single game at least, and I still pulled out wins. So Skaven definitely has the tools to still pull out wins. We can score very well on the primary because we've got bodies. We've got some summoning. We're very fast. We got, you know, we can spread out quickly. We can cover a lot of territory very quickly. So we're not usually afraid of like the, the six objective maps, the five objective maps. We do fine on that. I very consistently was scoring one, two more on most of the missions. And then we do have a good grand strat at least. I finally figured out one of our book grand strats is actually quite good. The the Pestilence and Master Clan Heroes one. It's it, it the maybe a little off topic, but why I think it's so good, it, it puts the pressure on the opponent to come and kill my foot heroes that are sitting in the back behind all of their screens and with all their protection and stuff like that. The Grey Seers on foot, they have a pass off. The Plague Priests on foot, they are minus one to be wounded naturally and both of the foot heroes get minus one to hit naturally from our command or from our uh, allegiance ability so our foot heroes are very deceptively durable combine that with the fact that they can retreat out of combat 
keeping three out of your probably five or six, because let's be honest, Skavens, you're filling up all those hero slots, or we are carried by those foot heroes. Keeping three out of five or six foot heroes alive is not hard. I got my grand strat every game in both of the five O's, I'm pretty sure, while still failing one or two battle tactics per game. So it is definitely doable. Don't let the fact that battle tactics are hard scare you. Just push forward and kill them. It's easy. <laughs> I, I think, yeah. Maybe maybe I'll call out that the rise of Seraphon, which we're currently seeing at tournaments, might stop that grand strat. But in most in most cases, you're right. But it is it can be quite hard with the changes to Lookout Sir, being able to scurry away out of combat. You know, some of the shenanigans you have, it's definitely one that you can play into. And we'll get into grand strats and we'll talk battle tactics. But the reason why I wanted to highlight the importance of battle tactics as well is it really needs to be a part of your list building. So when you're building a list, I often see Skaven players focusing too much on damage. They spend too many points on Clan Scryer, whether they're doubling down on Warp Lightning Cannons, whether they're doubling down on, you know, big blocks of Storm Fiends and... Yeah, they can do damage, and yeah, they can pin you in, but are they scoring you battle tactics? And do you have enough chaff to be able to um, do, do a bunch of like, you know, whatever, whatever whatever season we're talking about, whichever battle tactic you want to talk about, you know, can you can you do bait and trap? Can you do uh, surround and destroy? Can you do other ones when you've heavily invested in Thankwall, Vermin Lord, a, a block of 20 to 30 um, storm, storm Vermin? You know, like you've got mm-hmm. these big blocks of troops, but you don't have the flexibility to be able to do things. But anyway, that's kind of like why I wanted to kind of frame this conversation up. Before we get into the, the new rules and I think the game changer and kind of what the catalyst was for this discussion, in addition to obviously your great five O's, is let's just get into it. I'll stuff it. I was yeah, gonna ask you a question. Gonna, I was gonna ask you a question. I want to get straight into it. All right. Sure, let's Co- do it. Couple of key things that have happened over the last few months. One, I referred to it earlier. We've had uh the changes to lookout, sir. So um you still minus one to hit, but you can't be targeted if you're within uh, one inch of a battle line unit uh, and you're outside of 12, right? So yep. a couple of ways to avoid some hero sniping, which is super neat. We've also had coherency changes. So uh, instead of coherency rules being from one to five and then kind of six onwards, it's now one to six. So that reinforced unit of Storm Fiends, for example, um, has received a boost. Mm-hmm. There has been a few points adjustments. So the Deathmaster, uh, Gracier on Screaming Bell, the Hellpit Abomination all going down 20 points. The Warp Lightning Cannon and Giselle's going down 10 points. And you've also got a new battle tactic, which is known as Flea Flea. So big package of change. Thoughts on it all. Is some better than others? What does this all mean to you as a, uh, a Skaven player? So the battle tactic is obvious is, is huge. It, having now two pretty feasible book battle tactics in the pestilence one and now flea flea is very big. It means that another list archetype for Skaven is now playable. This combined with the, the d- pushed into battle being gone for the Gracier on bell and the plague priest on plague firmness. It means that a, control oriented style of scaven that has 
enough priests to get that pestilence battle tactic plus this new flea flea battle tactic you can kind of play a more corn style skaven where you're playing that control game you're playing the objectives you're dipping into your book battle tactics a little bit you're just scoring you're playing a little more non-interactively so that is a new list archetype that is playable for skaven so that's pretty important flea flea is a very good battle tactic Clan rats can usually you can if you're if you're clever with the way you pull out when they die to make sure that they stay in combat combined with their D3 regen at the end of battle shock, you can usually keep them alive to be able to retreat them on your turn. And one thing important I want to note about the flea flea battle tactic, it's a battle line and then a hero retreated this turn. And Skaven heroes can retreat out of combat. So you can complete this tat battle tactic if you start the turn with just a battle line in combat. You charge a Skaven hero and then immediately retreat it. And it does score this battle tactic, which is a lot easier to do than just hoping you have a hero alive in combat. So this tactic is pretty huge for us. I did score it, I think, twice in the most recent, uh, in the Michigan GT 5 because they were playing with these new stuff. So that's those two covered. Uh, and then with the points changes... Um, the Deathmaster is nice because heroes being cheaper is always a good thing. Uh, so for full Eshin lists, people who are wanting to bring like 15 bricks of gutter runners because you need hero to make the battle line. So if you want to bring those 15 bricks, you will need Deathmasters. That's great for that. Uh, the Gracie on Screaming Bell down to 220 is pretty huge, purely just because of how durable it is. 15 wounds, minus one to be hit, five up ward, chance to summon a vermin lord. It rings the bell. It has two casts with plus two. At 220, it's just pure value now. So you can play that if you want. The biggest one for me is the help it. Having a monster that puts out that kind of damage and has that durability for 180 points, most armies are so jealous for that. Slaves to Darkness wants him so badly. <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe it's a discount. Like I've been, I've had the pleasure of playing a bunch of um, Hell Pit Abominations over the last twelve months. I've seen the rise of it hitting the tables, and I've always been impressed. I've always been impressed by what it gives gives you. And yeah, like I've always like, yeah, this is this is a great unit, and now it's discounted. Mm-hmm. Sign me up. Sign me up. I, I, I don't want to say it's an auto include, but. It's pretty close to an auto-include. I would say it's close to an auto-include. You can't pass it up. It does too much for how cheap it is. And with so much Gits and Soul Blight and Slanesh in the meta right now that are running tons of bricks, those little one wound and two wound dudes, that Horde Breaker attack that that help it has, ooh, it's spicy. You get them. And it actually could be really helpful as well um, as cities start hitting the table. So cities, mm-hmm. another low, low, uh, low battle sh- uh, bravery, probably going to be high. Whether it's thirty fusiliers or you know twenty mm-hmm. uh, steel helms or like what I'm doing, a hundred flagellants like that. that, that you mad, man? <laughs> uh, I already own the hundred forty. Like this is this is my time to shine. Like I want to mm-hmm. run it, but like. Yeah, it's a good time. It's a go- mm-hmm. I was actually really impressed by the durability too, like being able to heal um, in the hero phase. There's mm-hmm. uh, You can bring it back, right? So, yeah, there's there's quite a few things that you can do for durability for it. First off, you always take the – it gets – your first help it always gets that free enhancement, and you basically always go the 16 wounds and 4-up armor save. So you start with that. There's Mystic Shield all out defense for plus one saves, obviously. 
most most of the time I'm bringing Plague Priests, so Bless, throw six support on it, gives it a little bit more durability, and Bless is really easy to get with all your chanting bonuses. So, you know, you can pretty easily get it to a three-up save with a six-up board. And yes, it does have the the 33% chance the first time it dies, you roll a dice on a five-up. Surprise, it's not dead. And it comes back with a few wounds healed. That's pretty huge. Um, and then one other little trick with the Hell Pit that I've most recently started using. Uh, I have two Plague Priests in my main list. One of them I've started taking heal on because it does heal D3 in the hero phase. Heal gives it another D3. So if you spike that and it heals like six wounds in your turn, that's like two brackets up. And its effectiveness just went way, way up if you know your opponent left it at like two or three wounds remaining. So it can heal a lot. It can be very surprisingly durable for 180 points. Yeah, it's yeah. I have found it incredibly good to pin an opponent, the durability. Um, and it slaps in combat. I, you know, it's got some mm-hmm. Ren 3 attacks. It's got, um, you know, the Flailing Fists. Fists have six attacks, is it? Like, it, it, it's yeah. surprisingly what it can do. Oh, yeah. I, um, it definitely is no slouch in combat. Having Rend 3 printed on your War Scroll is always going to make it pretty good. But I had it um, in combat. It killed Kairos by itself. It Titanic dueled and then just punched him down. Uh, and then I had it. It did spike a little bit, mind you. I don't think it would consistently do this, but I did have it take down a Frost Lord on Stonehorn by itself. It did 21 damage to it, and he failed enough wards to it to have it just die immediately. So the help it, it is a little swingy, but for 180 points, you're not like paying very much for a potentially a huge amount of damage. What about the what about the Gisales? Like it, it seemed like for a while we had a lot of focus on Gisales. Like people would would reinforce them, and you'd have a bunch of Gisales. Then they they kind of got I don't know too expensive, or they kind of didn't start seeing a lot of value. But now at one ten, you get what three models, um, but sixes do do two mortal wounds. That's not too bad. It's not it's not too bad. Well, I'll tell you what what really killed Gisales was in the new book they made them single. So you can't reinforce them anymore. And they made them an artillery as well, which now they're fighting for spots with your plague claw catapults and your warp lightning cannons. And Giselles are really best at hero sniping. And in a meta where Lookout Sir exists and you can't even shoot the little foot heroes outside of 12 inches, Giselles are really just like, they don't really have a role. If you're going to spend a hundred and something points on an artillery piece and then bring a scryer hero to buff that artillery piece, just bring warp lightning cannons they're gonna do more damage they've got almost as long range it's giselles are just they're not really worth it compared to storm fiends or can't warp lightning cannons they they kind of they just don't have a place in the meta right now well it's interesting actually because that was what i was hoping to find out from you was when they had they were at their height it seemed like they were the hero snipers right you take a lot mm-hmm. of them go for the spike of the six the, the two mortal wounds on sixes but they you're right they're competing with the warp grinder they're competing with the rattling gun they're competing with all of your other artillery um for that shooting and if you over invest then you don't have the body so mm-hmm. it's an interesting one like would i take the warp lightning, the warp lock Giselles. I, I don't know. Like I've seen some really good use of the 
um, the rattling guns lately jumping out of um, clan rats, just coming in, just mm-hmm. obliterating and um, helping your durability because you've done so much damage and now you've got some things to to pin and move around the board. The rattling gun, it's it's... I think it's good enough that you can call it not cute anymore. I think I think it's good enough now that you can get some good use out of it because it, it is fours and fours with Ren 1, Damage 1, but you are Scryer. You can give it plus 1 damage. It's like 4d6 plus 3 shots when you overcharge it. So for a 60-point model, you overcharge it and you spike and you roll like 25 attacks. Give it all out attack and you're on 3s and 4s, Ren 1, Damage 2. For 60 points, yeah, it's going to blow itself up after it shoots, but if you take out a 120-point screen or you take out, like, a 200-point unit, that's value. Bingo. That's where I was going with this. You are trading up constantly for Mm -hmm. 60 points. You often trade up, and you know what? If it blows itself up because your roll is a double or triple triple of the number, it's 60 points. It it goes back to when I was playing Gits with... um, with teleporting Blizzard, I'm like, okay, my 65-point Shaman, if it blows itself up, it's 65 points. But obviously I can't do that now. No. This is great value. <laughs> this is this is, this is is value. This is good. Mm-hmm. And this is something we'll probably talk a lot about more and more as this video goes on because Skaven is an army that likes to trade up. We have a lot of units that are very well equipped to trade up. A hundred percent. Yep. Agreed wholeheartedly. Uh couple of other things that we didn't quite talk about just yet, but I did refer to earlier. And thank you, by the way, for saving my skin when it came to the um, the Screaming Bell and the the Plague Furnace. Uh, that <laughs> is a great quality of life change. It is. Like the fact that I've had so many games against um, a Screaming Bell or a, a Plague Furnace that's had no people around it in the late game and the only way it could move is hugging a narhole. I'm like, this is dumb. This is so mm. dumb. Yep. And then you teleport it and it can't even charge. It, it was really dumb. The fact that other armies got similar, like Daughters of Cain with their blood wagons. Why couldn't ours move? So they fixed that. Good on GW. Long time coming. <laughs> and, and, and you're right. The, the Cauldron of Blood doesn't even have anyone pulling it around. Oh. Like It's just like to weird telephony powering it forward. But I also mentioned the two other rules. Uh, first one, look out, sir. So you've already talked about the negative consequences with Giselle's. Has it worked favorably for you being able to protect some of your heroes? Like, for example, prior to that rule, I like to snipe your master molders as quick as possible because my opponents, uh, shout out Bruce, if you're listening to this, he loves to run like multiple units of rat ogres and they always for a CP will just bring that rat ogre unit back. I'm like, oh, I should snipe you out. But now I can't. Yep. I'm actually really glad that you mentioned uh, Rat Ogres because I I wanted to mention this, but I had forgotten. The jumping back to the previous battle scroll, that coherency change, bricks of six Rat Ogres are very playable now. They were not at all before because they got huge bases. Uh, You would maybe get four of them into fight, but now six of them is very playable. So for all of all of my fellow Mulder enthusiasts out there, Go have a blast. Rat ogres are good now. But uh, the lookout search change, it, it, especially for Master Molders, you definitely don't want those guys sniped, it's For especially for your Scryer heroes. Like, I think those are the biggest two that probably benefit from this because if you lose that one Scryer hero and you got, like, a Scryer list, you're losing your plus one damage. 
which is backbreaking. It's cutting your output in half. So you cannot afford to be losing those guys. And if you lose your master molders, you can't bring your rat ogres back. You can't give them plus three inches to charge, which is probably why you brought them. So it, it, obviously it's helpful to all Skaven heroes, but I'd like to single out the Scryer and the, the Molder heroes from really benefiting from that lookout search change the most. And while we're talking coherency, because that was the other rule I was going to talk to, so I'm glad you acknowledged the Rat Ogres, because you're right, most of the time I used to fight Rat Ogres, they were in blocks of four, because you're trying to keep them into coherency. Um, does this now make you think about bringing blocks of six, and does it change the way you would use other units, like, for example, Storm Fiends is a clear example of one that benefits. Is there any other, any other units that benefit from the coherency rule being a I unit of three? I don't think so, because Chaos Gave it doesn't have any cavalry, really. So I think the only units that actually benefit from that coherency are uh, Storm Fiends and Rat Ogres. And Melee Storm Fiends, I've seen it. I'm not sure how uh, effective it is personally, but I have seen it before. And this the coherency change for for six and six models really does help them a lot. But it is it is so much better with Rat Ogres, because they get that plus three inches to charge, Set them through a gnaw hole, just roll a six, they're right in. They soak up Skaven Brew, which is one of our good artifacts for that plus one attack. They soak it up very well, get those Rad Ogres to five attacks each. They soak up Hoarfrost incredibly well. Rad Ogres love to be on Rend three with their exploding sixes and their four or five attacks each. So Rad Ogres definitely, between Hoarfrost and the Lookout Sir change and the coherency changes, Rad Ogres went from being niche kind of unplayable to actually very strong if you build into them i think they're great i think for 140 they're great with the master molder mm -hmm. just uh, i think take more than one master molder because you the last thing you want to do is build around rat ogres have yeah. one linchpin you take out that linchpin and you lose half those yep. benefits being able to bring them back so uh i always Absolutely. always take two yeah um, Nah, I dig it. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a lot of positivity and good changes. Again, is it mm -hmm. going to be Seraphon, OBR-type level? No, we're not saying that. But it definitely does have some legs to play at tournaments, and uh, as Keegan's already demonstrated, they, they do really well. Two burning questions before we move into the actual rules for the General's Handbook. One coming from my mate Rhino saying, why after even rooming with you, am I still unconvinced that you aren't just three rats in a trench coat? The world may never know. I don't got an answer for that. The world may uh, cannot, never know. Cannot confirm or <laughs> deny. I cannot confirm nor deny whether I am three rats in a trench coat or whether I'm just a human. All right. So a friend of the channel uh, who actually did the last Skaven video with me, um, Kieran Coates, saying, uh, now that you have conquered with Scryer, Pestilence, Mulder, Verminous, and Master Clan, what do you have against Eshin, and when will they join you at the Council of the Thirteen? I don't have anything against Eshin. I just think that compared to our melee options, um, when you pour into it, like I have been running, they're just outclassed. Gutter Runner's output is fine, but they are very fragile and they're very swingy. Night Runners are very niche. The Deceiver is okay, uh, but a lot of his value comes from that spell. 
the this outside of six inch teleport spell and if that get up, gets unbound his usefulness goes down by half he's also your most expensive vermin lord by a pretty good amount i think he's like 400 when the rest are orbiting 350 380 so that's another thing to note he's 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 quite expensive so and then i think the death master is probably our worst foot hero still he just doesn't he doesn't do enough. Like most of our foot heroes are bringing buffs and bringing synergy. And the Deathmaster is just kind of like a Stormcast foot hero who has this like techie jumps out of a unit that he's hiding in thing. He doesn't actually really bring much to the table. So I I love Eshin. Don't get me wrong. And I think that their good looking models are sick. And I think that teleporting rats and throwing stars is awesome. I just think they don't quite have the outputs to compete with our more consistent and better options right now. Yeah, the the Deathmaster definitely suffers from the Cities of Sigmar Assassin, where they were at their peak in like second edition, where there was mm-hmm. you know these we- these really killy weapons like the Sword of Judgment was an artifact. There was a couple of really killy ones, and it made the the trade worth. But like when you look at the abilities, for example, like you know, you, you jump out of a you jump out of a unit, for example, you know, if you roll a six out of your five attacks, you'll do D three mortal wounds. Which you know, in my brain, I always worry about just doing one. Was yep. it worth this trade because he's going to get slapped? Like I, I would yeah. rather this unit be like 160, 170 points and really double down on the killiness, like just absolutely let it go with heaps mm-hmm. of attacks or heaps of rend or you oh, know, yeah. mortals on fives, like make me pay for it, but make it an assassin, like make it a deadly yeah. assassin. Or, or even if he did like something like, I remember what is it? The old city's book. Uh, was it mist Haven with that silly little artifact on the assassin where he jumped out and then you made, you made your thing, not fight. Like he stabbed you in the back and, so like some kind of like useful combat trick like that, I'd be totally on board for that. But like I said, when all of your other foot heroes are either giving you a battle tactic or being prey uh, priests or wizards or giving you a buff of some kind, the Deathmaster just being this like Cities of Sigmar, Stormcast Eternals, five attacks, rend one D3 damage. He's just not worth it, no matter how cheap he is. It's the fact that he takes up a hero slot. <laughs> He's just not worth it. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. I'd actually rather this unit come from reserve as opposed to out of a unit. But yeah, deep striking is great. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be fun. I don't know. I, I think hopefully Skaven, given their book was one of the first off the block from third edition, I and and if the rumors are true that you know Skaven will be one of the first off the block with some new Eshiny type things. Uh, I think I've learned a lot in the process of, of creating battle tomes, and I can't wait to yep. see them. Even like my experience as a Gits player, like when when Gits very first come out, it was very much you play trolls, you play squigs, you play spiders. They've yep. really been able to do a really good job to combine the tribes. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think they could kind of do Gits version for Skaven, and you yep. probably get a lot of wholesale love. Yeah, please keep the the multi clan soup lists. That's that's what we're here for. I don't want to play racist scry or racist molder. I want to I want to have all the rats in my list. The, the range isn't deep enough to do it anyway. Like you, you really need a whole bunch of new models for each yep. of the clans to, to make that work. But what does work in your favor is this Antorian Acolytes Locust mm-hmm. or Antorian Locust Acolytes is the battalion, which mm-hmm. I absolutely love. Oh yeah. 
thoughts around this Antorian locust stuff first, because most of your heroes, outside of your unique ones, outside of your vermin lords, outside of obviously Thankwall, um, they're all fitting into this Antorian locust, right? You've got mm -hmm. you got a heap of them. Yeah. So I Gracier, I stood the Gracier on foot, I still stand by is one of our best war scrolls. 120 point double caster with a solid enough war scroll spell access to a crazy spell lore. And then one of his spells, he casts 3d6 dropping one with a chance to auto cast. Like most armies would kill for that war scroll alone. And he is an amazing, uh, optimal focus or wh whatever it's called. So turning one of your little gray into a triple caster. I mean, I'm Skaven cast so many spells. I'm definitely running out of spell slots. So having this this chance to get another extra cast or extra unbind is really great helps us e compete even more with the more top tier magic armies like Zinch and Seraphon uh I'm a huge fan of it and Skaven is a command point hungry army too so I have definitely found myself just picking that extra command point on like a plague priest cuz they're not a wizard you can make them the the focus or whatever and give them an extra command point i've definitely found myself doing that before so that is a very good rule for us yeah i, I think the key though and you know if you talk about the the gracier for example it makes me think about how much more valuable going for an extra enhancement getting yourself an extra spell because you're right, like 120 points for a double caster is fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you but you know, you need more spells. And that allows you to cast a spell from this general handbook and one from your what, your book, or obviously both. Or you could have mm -hmm. you could have a Gracier with both Hoarfrost and Merciless Blizzard for ultimate utility, or you could have multiple Graciers spread out the love and just have a lot of strong dominance from magic. Probably you want to go... Antorian Acolytes and Warlord or Command Entourage, so you get yep. the extra Primal Dice. But before I get too far ahead, let's talk the impacts of Primal Dice. So you do have a lot of magic. You do have the ability to go into the Battalion. How do you play and how do you think about the Primal Magic Dice? Are you thinking about it offensively, defensively, both? Is there critical spells you want to get off? Like, how do you think about this resource? So... Nine times out of ten, it's for getting the critical spells off for me. Um, I'm always taking Acolytes. I'm always trying to save my Primal Dice. I, I very rarely use Primal Dice for Unbinds unless it's, like, absolutely needed because the Vermin Lords, I, I usually play with Vermin Lords, and they always have a very, very good War Scroll spell, no matter what Vermin Lord you're playing. Warbringer's got D3 Fight on Death. You know, Screech has his 13-inch super mortal wound punch that does like seven eight mortal wounds and summons um you've got uh the deceiver with the six inch teleport so and most of those casts on like sevens or eights and you are getting plus one from your knot hole which is nice but i'm almost always saving my primal dice so i can like there were probably three of my five games i just threw all three primal dice at getting dreaded death frenzy off with my warbringer because covering my army with fight on death is so strong. When I when I first read Primal Magic, I'm like, if you can use that with the Warbringer, I'm done. Like, that is all I need. Being able to consistently get that super, super strong spell off 
is so good for Skaven. I cannot overstate that. So I'm almost always using them to get those key spells off. And we, we, we will talk about the spells. I'll, I will bring them up at some particular point. Um, because you've got a lot of great spell options, you know, from Skid Elite to, as you said, to Dreaded Death Frenzy to obviously if you're going to Hallfrost and Blizzard. So you have good access to spells. And it actually might be really hard for an opponent to choose which spell they want to focus their unbinding and their primal magic dice to get rid of. So, um, again, great decisions you can make your opponent make, which will play into your hand. Mm -hmm. I'm very glad that you uh, brought that point up because that is very real. I, there are a lot of mind games with, with Skaven's hero phase because we have so many good spells. Like most of my lists have six to eight and any one of them could be very good for me. Like just one death frenzy is huge or just one skitter leap, getting that teleport off Horfrost, making those sensor bearers or rat ogres rent three. So I definitely play around with spell order a lot to to you know try to bait my opponent into unbinding what seem like very scary spells but then i'm waste all their unbinds and i'm able to get off my real critical important spells so that's a very good point to make and it's definitely very true i do play a lot of mind games with spell casting order primal dice I this goes back to the synergy that i i keep referring to with gits and skaven because I play the exact same way with my gits. I've got about seven to nine casts per round, and I've got a bunch of great git spells that I want to get off, and I'll find that my opponent either wants to stop me from doing my teleport hand of Gork, they see Blizzard, they see Hoarfrost, and when they don't have enough unbinds, they let me put out my other spells. And actually, they're the ones that I probably need the most. I want to make my squigs be able to re-roll charges with squig lure because I can't give them a um, a command point to make them re-roll. Mm -hmm. There's certain spells that I really want to get off, whether it's mesmerizing, like obviously this is not the git show, but what I'm finding, and you probably find the exact thing, is that people, because they see the scary one, they'll try to allocate their resource to stop those spells. And you can also anticipate that and go, right, well, I'm going to chuck my primals there. But every other spell, especially if it's like a low casting value of five or six, they just let it go through. They let mm -hmm. it go through, and with your plus one to cast from your Nahole, um, cool, cool, I'm getting off all my buffs, yep. and that's exactly what I want. Yeah, you said it. I mean, I'm very often casting Blizzard and casting Forefrost and casting Skitter Leap first because people hear teleport, and they heal, hear 46 mortal wounds, and they hear... Rend three, and they're like, oh my gosh, gotta stop it. So I'll be like, and I might even throw like one one or two primal dice at it to like bait my opponent into being like, yeah, I want this spell. And then I get off Dreaded Death Frenzy on a 17, throw Fight on Death on all my sensor bearers and stuff, and I'm cooking. Smart. This is this is this is the this is the the gets the gets gaven tech. So what happens oh, yeah. when you live in the, in the under empire and you live in the yep. under dark like we we have we have list brewing discussions only big brains need to apply <laughs> big big brains under five feet tall <laughs> big big brain play here and i imagine this could be a quick conversation although you know you could build into this but should you avoid going into primal magic dice you can get your null stone adornment 
sorry, when, when I say build into it the primal magic, I mean if you don't take wizards. So if we're not building a list with wizards, we get access to the, the Nullstone Adornments. Do you find yourself in many situations where you don't have a wizard? I guess Never. only if I guess only if you went like pure pestilence, right? Well, so here's the thing: even if you're going pure pestilence, pestilence troops want death frenzy so badly. They're all glass cannons. Everything pestilence has is a glass cannon that wants to be fighting on death. But but you could, but you could like I like I could drive with my feet as well. But like it doesn't yeah. make it a good idea. You, if I went pure pestilence, I could build like an all priest and no wizard build. But yeah, as you said, the trade-offs are you're giving away spells that you really want. And do these artifacts justify not taking those spells? You're going to say no, right? Ab- absolutely not. None of these three artifacts are anywhere close to how the value you get from fight on death. So. I just skip right over them. <laughs> if you find yourself in a position where you've built a list with no wizards, cool. Cool. And you might take Pouch yeah. of Null Dust or the, the hand sure. card icon. But I imagine with so many cheap wizards, with such a great spell lore, you are going to just fall into a wizard and your list will be better off by taking a wizard. Yep. Uh, 100%. Totally agree. I'm running wizards every time. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, I imagine that that is exactly the conversation we were going to have and I'm totally cool with it. I'm not going to force mm-hmm. your hand, but oh, it's worth fine. acknowledging, right? Cause like, are these good? Not really, not for like once per battle abilities as well. Like it's just, there's too much value in magic and you look mm-hmm. at even what's on the, on the other side, right? Let's talk the three spells. You got Hallfrost, mm-hmm. you got Rupture, and you got Blizzard. Let's start with the middle one, Rupture. Uh, the changes to the Cron Spine and not not being able to rupture your own Cron Spine. Do you see value in taking this particular spell? Absolutely not. Our spell slots are already really tight as is, and you a lot of times want to bring redundancies if you can, just to compensate for heroes dying. The only possible use case I could see for Rupture is if you know you have a lot of Seraphon and Zinch in your meta, and you're going to cute get cute with like dispelling the endless spells and taking the wizard, making the wizards take D3. But even then, it's a casting value of 10. Nobody's playing incarnates anymore since you can't cast this on your own incarnate anymore. I've not yet taken this in any of my lists, and I really can't see any situation where taking it over another better spell would be worth it. Yeah, even when I've used Shamans of the Chilled Land, which is the command trait that allows me to know all of these spells, I've never cast it. Like, I just... No. <laughs> like, maybe this was, like, casting value six, and you're right, like, a Seraphon player might take, like, Grave Tide, or they, they take, you know, Geminids. Yeah, I might do it then, but mm-hmm. you're, but against Seraphon and, and, and Zinch, they're probably going to unbind this spell, so they're going to stop yeah. those mortal wounds going to that wizard yep. anyway, so... Kind of seems redundant. Yeah, not not a spell that I care about very much or ever play. Let's talk Blizzard next. So Blizzard being the 4d6 mortal wound scary scary ability, mm-hmm. um, you didn't... Re- I mean, you can't use Skitter Leap with, with Blizzard now, so you Rest obviously can tell... Yeah, like that, that rules that's gone. You can obviously teleport with Narhole, but Narholes happen 
in the movement phase as opposed to the hero <laughs> phase. So that rule doesn't change for you. You can't now hold Ben Blizzard, but you are setting up your next turn. How do you feel about Blizzard and is it a powerful spell for you? Is it a great supplement to avoid Scryer if you're not natively taking a lot of Scryer units? Like, how do you look at this particular spell? I still bring Blizzard in my list. I still have it sitting on one of my Graciers because generally I, I play two Graciers usually. One of them is sitting in the back casting buff spells, Fight on Death, Horfrost, stuff like that. One of them's up front following the Vermin Lords along and it holds Blizzard. And the amount of times that just having that Gracier sitting right behind the clan rats in my front line, somebody gets within 12 of it. Like it, I still cast Blizzard quite often. I think I cast it every game still at my, my, the most recent GT. It's very much still a spell that can, that you can get a lot of value from. And especially near the end of the game, once you've lost all your stuff and it's, Clan rats and Gracier's, you know, skittering around trying to score points. Having that Gracier that can still punch something off the board if he needs to, it's very big. Um, and then one other cute little thing: if I don't have any primal dice, just for a hail mary option, throwing that three d six, trying to fish for a thirteen auto cast for Blizzard on the Gracier. I've done it before, so it's it is a decent hail mary option, and it's just. It's just a nice to have. It's another tool in the toolbox, the way I see it. We have a lot of mortal wound output in the hero phase already, and this just adds to it. And it's just another reason for people to not want to get close to the Gracier's because one of them has Blizzard, and you could pay for it. Very, you know, it's definitely still worth it for us. Yeah, with the with the Warpstone token, which is the ability that Keegan just referred to, um, once per turn in the hero phase, you can do a 3d6 roll. You can't unreroll it. You can't modify it. So that, I guess, pros and cons, right? You know, mm -hmm. but yeah, it's not not a bad little one. It's not a bad little one, especially if no. you like you've you've spent all your primals and you tell your opponent you can do a 3d6 cast that might scare them enough to to put extra resources into spells or it might might come off yeah and i i think especially if you're away from your hole and not getting that plus one anymore the average on 2d6 is a seven the average on 3d6 dropping the lowest is like a ten. nine or a ten it's, it's a ten it's a ten average so it's much better and then there is that chance if you roll the raw 13 on the 3d6 it auto casts cannot be unbound so that is always, it's, it's random. You can't rely on it. But when it does happen, it's big because autocast can't be unbound. It's very strong. The only downside is a D3 mortal wound kickback, which you're probably in range of your clan rats to pass off to, end, to them anyway. So it's a very good ability. Find myself using it quite a lot, even with the cons of it not being able to be rerolled or modified. You know, like I said, especially once it's you're away from the null hole, it's very good. I mean, it's a nice little Hail Mary with Blizzard, but really, mm -hmm. like, if you think of the 3 6 average as 10, it's a great way to consistently get Hoarfrost off without having to mm -hmm. worry about primal magic dice, right? So mm -hmm. you're more likely to get that off. Okay, cool. Blizzard, good spell, 46 mortal wounds, good deterrent, good killy piece. Uh, obviously, has a lot of great benefits. And the fact, again, the Gracier can take two spells or has the ability to cast two spells means you can still do skiddly death frenzy 
and still have a blizzard up their sleeve. And I found mm-hmm. um, it can be a great deterrent. People don't want to come into 12 range and it'll be a deterrent from people thinking about if I charge and I can't get into this unit, I'm probably going to be on the receiving end of a blizzard. And that psychological damage is, uh, I mean, you can leverage it or it actually can happen or people go, oh, you know what, I can't afford to lose this because it'll, you know, I'll lose my battle tactic or my grand strategy uh, and they might deep, you know, um, not charge you. Psychological damage is a good point. Skaven definitely has a lot of that. We have a lot of stuff that, that sounds very, very scary and is very, very scary. So it's a good point to, to bring up and Blizzard helps with that a lot. Depends on what dice roll you roll in that warp lightning cannon. Oh yeah. <laughs> All the ones, all day. The, the peaks and troughs. Is it the, the sixes or is it the ones? I love it. I love it all day long. Oh, oh. Uh, let's talk off Frost. Let's talk yep. about probably the, the spell that we love. And uh, so you can obviously modify a hit, wound, or rend characteristic. Where have you found the most value uh, out of Hallfrost? So there's a lot of things that Hoarfrost is such a good spell for us. I I cannot under uh, overstate that. We have so many models with like rend one damage two or hits on fours or something like that, and it and we have so many models that have a lot of attacks too. That just like I've even seen people do stuff with clan rats like. You get your clan rats, you get your claw lord, you claw lord them for plus one attack, you scaven brew for plus one attack, then you hoarfrost. So you got clan rats with three attacks each on rend three. Like Skaven loves this spell. But personally, in my list and in my experience, it's very good with sensor bears. Sensor bears have a lot of attacks with damage two. Get them to rend two or rend three, they do bonkers damage. Uh, it's really good with the Hell Pit because he's got that one attack that is six attacks, rend one, damage three. Boost that rend up a little bit. Uh, he's good on Screech, Vermin King, because Screech, Vermin King, one of his profiles is eight attacks, rend one, damage two. Boost his rend up a little bit. There's a thousand ways to use this spell in Skaven. I, t- I tell you my favorite, Ratogas. Mm-hmm. Four attacks, yep. threes, threes, turn that into Ren, Ren minus three, or even turn the wounds to a two, right? So yep. all that attack, hitting on twos, wounding on twos, Ren one for two damage or Ren three if you spike mm-hmm. the rend, and you get exploding sixes. So then you get even more attacks. So uh, with the coherency changes, the points discount, they got a discount, right? Like this is, this is I, stonks. I don't think so. And uh, even better, actually. The the little crack the whip ability from the master molder it gives them plus three to run and charge but it also gives them plus one to wound so oh, with okay. just that ability you're already getting them threes and twos so when you're casting hoarfrost on rend ogres you roll the one make them hit on ones otherwise give them more rend you're always going to get some value casting it on rend rat ogres so if you're playing rat ogres this spell is an auto include yeah I forgot about Mister Whippy's plus one Mister mm-hmm. yeah. Whippy he lifts. <laughs> yeah, 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 I, I, yeah. You start your movement phase. Add one to the wound characteristic for melee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 
or or if you've got multiple oh no because the same unit can't be benefited more yeah okay yep yep mr whippy like okay cool mm-hmm. hitting on twos wounding on twos ren three two damage exploding sixes yeah for, like that's that's incredible value i am by the way mr whippy can bring them back on a, a three up <laughs> the master molder is if you're playing molder i mean you got to have at least two or three of them they're so good but yeah this hoarfrost is it's amazing with all of skaven but it is definitely huge with rat ogres and it's huge with sensor bears because sensor bears, you can get them to five attacks each very easily. So a unit of 10 is throwing 50 attacks at damage two. You make them rend three damage two, and there's a dozen ways to give sensor bears plus one to hit and wound to get them to 50 attacks, twos and twos. They'll kill just about anything in the game if you get rend two or rend three from Horfrost on them. Sensor bears are nuts. With the spell, I was just having a look to see. Um, so I'm waiting for the day that Doom Wheels are like the the the, the meta leading unit. Like, yep. this, like I, I said to you, like you know, if Eshen got new models, I would jump. If mm-hmm. Doom Wheels and I could do like my Biker Mice from Mars, you might be a bit too young to know that that reference. But Biker Mice from Mars, if I can do my little motorbike gang of Doom Wheels and uh like like if i could mm-hmm. uh, frost doesn't do that much i was just having a look like yeah i could rent mm-hmm. three the the gr- oh like rent three grunting the wheel but it is it's d6, d6 attack it's d6 <laughs> attack so like if i could guarantee myself that was six mm-hmm. attacks i'd feel a bit better but given that it could be like one i'm like i, I yeah. just have dreams of like having a doom wheel frost it send it forward and let it be free. Like go be with yep. people, go run over some things. So I did the doom wheels. My, my GT win at bug eater. I had two doom wheels in that list and they did work for me, but I think that the meta has shifted enough that they're not quite as busted as they used to be because that was back. Uh, it was previous season or previous uh, GHB, I believe but KO was also very common in the meta and doom wheels are very good against KO because of their little, um, mortal wound thingy. You charge the, the boat and it does D three to the boat and everything in it. And then you pile it in. It does D three to the boat and everything in it. It fights on death and does it again. So you do like three D three to the boat and everything in it with a doom wheel. And then with three claw steps ahead, extra piling in, you can get even more value out of it. So Doom Wheels is a very big brain. They're a very big brain unit. You got to get tricky with all your pile-ins, but you can put, get a lot of mortal wound out of them. So if you want to play Doom Wheels, coach, go for it. They do work. I don't, don't threaten me with a good time. Please don't. Please don't. Like, That's Skaven the army. Don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> I tell you what, I'm looking, I'm just looking at some units. Like what else could benefit? I'm like one unit I have never seen on the table in Age of Sigma is the doom flayer like i've literally just never i've never seen it in my seven years of Mm -hmm. agency like it's never hit the table for me Mm -hmm. it it could be cute with hoarfrost it is already ren two damage two uh the problem with the doom flayer is that it you're most of the time it's going to be starting hidden in something so you can't cast spells on it Mm -hmm. um but yeah there are so plague monks plague sensor bears both love hoarfrost rat ogres love hoarfrost Giant rats still they do like hoarfrost because they are fours and fours. So making giant rats hit on twos and then with the crack the whip, make them wound on threes, that's a pretty good combo too. Giant rats don't sleep because they do have damage <laughs> Ren 2 built into their war scroll. 
I was literally just pulling up giant rats. I I'm, I was like, oh, my, my, my mate Thomas back in the day used to, I think he ran like, no, he ran 200 giant rats. Not oh, my rats gosh. He ran, <laughs> and like, I remember him killing Archeon with giant rats in his list. Mm-hmm. It was like the most proudest moment he ever had. Like, it was so great. Oh, yeah. No, they, they work. <laughs> so despite all of this, right, like you've got some sure. good spells. Blizzard is great. Hoarfrost, I think, is great for us. Is it worth some of the other spells? And if I've only got a single caster, uh, what are the what are the spells that I want to have? You know, and I think we've already alluded to Skinner League. We've already alluded to Death Frenzy. Um, more, more, more warp power is a very common one. Mm-hmm. When you look at when you look at the spell laws first, let's ignore the priest law for a second. But the two mm-hmm. spell laws, what are the ones that you want to have in your list? In my opinion, unless your list is a very niche like castle list and you're not bringing any rat ogres and any or any sensor bears or anything like that, Death Frenzy is pretty much an auto-include. Um, obviously, Fight on Death is very strong, but I want to point out two things here. If you read closely, it says, range of 13, pick one friendly unit within range not wholly within range so death frenzy has a crazy range within 13 you can add you can edge tag your sensor bearers way over there get that fight on death the other thing i want to draw attention to with it until your next hero phase if any models in that unit are slain those models can fight before they are removed from play there's no phase restrictions and anything that counts as slain triggers this so if they die to spells in the hero phase they can fight if they die to impact mortal wounds, if they die to battle shock, they get to fight before they're dead. So Death Frenzy is the most potent fight on death mechanic in the game. And it, it it's it's just an auto-include. It casts on a seven, which is easy enough, escaping. You got your 3d6 casting, you got your plus one, you got your primal dice. You know, if you're bringing the bell, he's got a plus two. When he's near the gnaw hole, he'll be plus three, getting Death Frenzy off on a four. I'm pretty much always bringing this spell. Uh, you'd who, be hard who, Who's a good recipient for Death Frenzy? Obviously anyone in any situation, but put that to the side. If you're thinking about getting the biggest bang for buck, who are you putting Death Frenzy on as a, a, a primary fight on death? If you're talking biggest bang for buck, it's Sensor Bearers by far. It is. For, so just I'll run over Sensor Bearers stats really quickly. They're 90 points for five models. They have three attacks base, threes and threes, rend one, damage two. They get plus one attack from charging, uh, and then you can get more bonuses to attacks later on. Uh, We'll cover the prayer lore in a second, and artifacts eventually. But just as a base, four attacks each from the charge, so a 90-point unit is throwing 20 attacks on threes and threes, rend one, damage two, all out attack twos and twos, Sensor bearers have a way to get plus one wound built into their war scroll. If the unit of sensor bearers is wholly within 18 of a plague monk unit, they get plus one to wound. You have command abilities that give them plus one to wound. So it is very realistic that you can get sensor bearers to twos and twos for 90 points. 90. I will say, I, I, I will say though, fight on death, it will be unlikely. There'll be a lot of situations where it won't be twos and twos. Like if you're fighting yes. your opponent's hero phase, you're fighting your opponent's shooting phase because I've shot you. Obviously, mm-hmm. you can't do all that. I just want to make that specific. You can't yes. do all that attack in those phases. And that's where the plus one to wound built into their war scroll is really strong. 
Yeah, agreed. 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 The, the mm-hmm. plus one to wound. I just want to call it a plus one to hit. Yes. It's obviously plus one to hit. Yeah. About the only way that I can think of that you could maybe get that plus one attack for, for the plus one to hit is maybe damned terrain. Because I think it's plus one to hit until your next hero phase, right? Yeah. Uh, I think that's the only. But yeah, you're probably going to be threes and threes fighting on death, which is still big. Three attacks, threes and threes, rend one damage two per model. Sensor bearers are probably the best recipient of this. Rat ogres are also a good shout. Rat ogres do take this very well, especially since the rat ogres they get that plus one to to wound from the whip less until next year phase. So for all the phases that the fight on death would happen, you're getting that plus one to wound. Uh, and then plague monks, a little bit weaker than sensor bearers, uh, but they still do a lot of damage. So those are probably the top three, I would say: sensor bearers, plague monks, and rat ogres. Um, uh, by the way, damned damned terrain is uh, is, is until your next hero phase. Okay, I think it. Yeah, your video has frozen. All right, so Keegan's video is back up, and we have a few more spells to talk about. So we've already acknowledged like Death Frenzy, and obviously Skitter Leap is, is powerful. Like it's pretty obvious what Skitter Leap does. And from my experience, I found probably the most benefit with Skitter Leap is either getting your small heroes back. Uh, into the fray or getting them around. Uh, I think I've seen vermin lords teleporting around with Skitter Leap, right? That's a, a popular strategy. Is it another, given that uh, Fanquil can no longer take advantage of the um, launch and the Soul Seeker endless spell, are you finding uh, Thankful is this is good for thankful, or are you actually finding your list drop off thankful completely because of that change? So, unfortunately, Skitterleap is capped to 13 wounds or less, and thankful has 14, so he cannot be Skitterleapt, which is very tragic. Um, and yes, because true. of that, combined with Lauchen getting nerfed, thankful is almost dropped off of my radar completely. Um, he just now he's kind of like a one trick. Hey, I I have plus four to cast and unbind when I'm standing near the gnaw hole. And if you get close to me, you're going to get mega blown up. But the only eight inches, it's fairly easy for people to just redeploy out of his, his warp fire range. And it's fairly easy for people to just uh, avoid him when they're charging. So I've thank kind of, I don't really play him much anymore and I can't see any situations. He's also 430 points. And most of the Vermin Lords are, like, a good 70, 80 points cheaper than that. Um, I've really just found that I'm not using him too much anymore. He just doesn't... He doesn't bring enough to the table, I think, right now. But Skitter Leap, I love it. I So, I use it can, very... Can, can, can I ask you really quickly on Thankwell, right? Because Thankwell... Thankwell... Uh, uh, People love Thankwill. Mm-hmm. Is it a points thing? Is it um, he doesn't offer things on the board that you need right now? Because obviously the mortal wounds from um, from his his brazier blasters were very valuable. He's got the ward save. There's obviously a lot of things that Thankwill brings. Is it just overcosted and the some of the things like losing the, the launching um, – and Skitter Leap change, like Skitter Leap doesn't allow you to do things, like he's just too hard, I guess. What's the what's the thing behind it? So he he's a lot more difficult to use offensively now without Lauchen. Um 
and it's he's really hard to use offensively with the projectors now because he only moves 10. Just you know, if he's far enough away, just a simple redeploy gets you out of the range of the of the Lauchen. So like I mean, even already, he can only go within three inches. So if you roll a five on the redeploy, you already... So there's a 33% chance that a redeploy just protects you from Thankful's devastating shooting attack. So then why don't we run him with the melee? You don't run, you know, maybe you run the the full braziers. So you get... He punches really hard. So he's got eight attacks that run two damage three. That's fine. But then he hits about as hard as a Warbringer. And a Warbringer costs 380, I think. So 50 points less than Thankwell is, you know, just as durable as Thankwell. 13 wounds, 5 up ward, 14 wounds, 5 up ward. Pretty similar. He's faster than Thankwell. Um, his spell is much better than Thankwell's. Thankwell's War Scroll spell is pretty terrible. Um, and, like, it's kind of like an all of the above for reasons for not bringing Thankwell. He's a little bit too expensive. He just doesn't quite bring enough to the table because your hero slots are already super packed as is from bringing vermin lords and braziers and stuff. He just doesn't quite do enough, I think. It's the delivery mechanism was always seen to be the crutch, right? Is yep. that if you get the if you get Lodchen off, you can really take advantage of the brazier attacks. Uh, as you've said, like you know, a good redeploy will allow me to get her out of those ranges. But then if you're building into melee, I guess the challenge is, to your point, is it better than a Vermin Lord? And I think it's a really good question. And I mm-hmm. think for a lot of third edition, Thankwell has always been the auto-include over a Vermin Lord. And a Vermin Lord would be in addition to Thankwell. Now you're in a real conversation, is, is, is a Vermin Lord with the customization better? Or running a double Vermin Lord if you want to run... And I, I, I think the answer is what I'm hearing, yes. Yeah. Uh, and another reason I actually just thought of is the meta shift. Uh, Thankwell's Hordebreaker attack was really, really good when we were seeing lots of gets and lots of, you know, like KO 15 Thunders, when we were seeing lots of corn uh, summoning huge amounts of blood letters, uh, seeing tons of Soul Blight everywhere. Obviously, we are still seeing Soul Blight a lot, but we're also seeing Suns a lot more. We're seeing OBR a lot with Immortus Guard. We're seeing the corn that we're seeing now, in my experience. It's a lot more like multiple Bloodthirsters uh, and Blood Crushers and some of the more elite stuff. Um, he's obviously, his shooting attack is still really good into Soul Blight and really good into Gits if you do run into them. And once Cities drops, he'll maybe you can see some value there. So maybe once Cities infect, new books come out, maybe Thankwilk has a little bit of a comeback. But right now, the way the meta is, I just, he's really only good into, like, Soul Blight. He's really good into Soul Blight, but I'm not spending... Specifically zombie spam. Like, mm-hmm. people are building people are building other versions of, of, of Soul Blight, so I wouldn't say it's just like an auto win against Soul Blight, but definitely if you're struggling to kill zombies or you've got this, a bunch of um, skeletons with their recursion, you're you build into that. But I think I think you've acknowledged my point, which is that the Vermin Lord is probably just better and more utility than Thankwall. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I would take a Vermin Lord basically every time over over Thankwall. What about the what about the priest stuff, right? So um 
we, we, we kind of know more, more, more War Power is great. Skittling's mm-hmm. great. Death Frenzy's great. I don't really see a lot of Scorch, Chain, Warp, Lightning. Oh, I've, actually, I've seen a couple of uh, Chain, Warp, Lightnings, but it's a very low-priority spell. Mm-hmm. Uh, warp, Lightning, Shield, again, low-priority spell. Yep. But I always thought when I read this book for the first time, I was super impressed with pestilence and the abilities that are brought from pestilence and oh, yeah. the like you know when you look at the sub faction in, in when we get to it there's even more stuff and i thought all three of these prayers were quite good yep. where, where do you land on pestilence i'm a, i am bringing and anytime i bring pestilence plague priests rabbit rabbit is an auto include chance on a three plus one attack super simple great buff Kicks your sensor bears up to five attacks on the charge. It's it's a decent sized range. Holy within thirteen is decently big. Chance on a three, which is great. Your gnaw hole already gives you plus one a chant, so you're getting that on a two. Even with one plague priest, just if you you know if you just want to dip into pestilence a little bit, and the rest of your list is Mulder Scryer, you just got like one unit of sensor bears and one plague priest, plus one attack on a two up. I mean, it's really good. It's a very very good prayer um filth filth is great filth filth is the second choice i think if you are building into pestilence pretty hard that on demand plus one to wound great for sensor bearers really great for plague monks because plague monks hit our wound on fours base but um you know that's just another in combination with the death frenzy fighting in any phase filth filth gives you plus one to wound until your next hero phase it's great for consistency across the board so you know it's just it's a great one to have. It's just a shame, though, that it is Clan Pestilence. So if you were thinking about just yeah. dipping in, just dipping in a little bit, you couldn't go filth filth because you wouldn't have many places to to put the prayer on. But if you're obviously leading into having sensor bearers, having plague monks, having pestilence units, then absolutely plus one to wound um, is is a great ability to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and then disease disease. For your third Plague Priest, if you're going pretty hard into Pestilence, this is a decent choice. Uh, it can also be a bit of a meta choice if you've got a lot of Soul Blight and a lot of, like, uh, Orcs, big blocks of Ard Boys, a lot of Soul Blight, a lot of Gits, big blocks of Squigs and stuff like that. A 5-up Hordebreaker is nothing to sneeze at. I mean, if you're playing against that one dude who's still running 60 blocks of Zombies, 20 Mortal Wounds on average, it's, it's a good prayer. It's not better than Filth, Filth, and Rabbit, but it is... It's absolutely playable if you want to play it. I think the only downside is that for a horde breaker prayer, 13 inches range is a little short. I, you know, if my plague priests do sometimes want to be close to the enemies for the great plagues, which we'll get into in a second. Um, but it disease disease is fine. You can play it if you want. Um, it's not, I would probably not take it over filth, filth or rabid rabid though. Yeah, fair. Absolutely. And look, you know what? If you're building into Pestilence, you'll probably have all three or you'll have just mm-hmm. uh, multiple versions of uh, Feel Filth or Rabid Rabid. Uh, yep. we'll, we'll, maybe we'll get, get to that when we go into a little bit more Pestilence. But so far, you know, uh, Rabid Rabid and Feel Filth, probably the two stronger of the prayers or yep. you, you're finding. Yep, I would agree that Rabid Rabid is the best. Feel Filth is close second. Yep. Love it. When you look at the allegiance abilities as a whole, right? So when you think about the the different pieces and you know 
This is a really interesting army because uh, it, it's not locking you into a particular sub-faction. Uh, it allows you to, to mix and match the units that you want to mix, mix and match. And depending on how you mix and match, you will get more abilities than others, right? Mm -hmm. So when you look at the Allegiance ability in general, how do you avoid distilling your soup down to like a flavorless water? How do you still have some, some crunch and some flavor to the various builds that you want to lean into? Do you have a theory of, I try to focus on two, two of the, of the abilities at most? Are you trying to uh, have some strengths and breach the weaknesses with, with other abilities? Like how do you just like break this all together? Cause I imagine this can be challenging for a Skaven player. Yep. List building is tough. There's a lot of options. We have a lot of units. We have a lot of allegiance abilities too. Skaven is very much a book that you you, you want to get the battle token. You want to be doing a lot of list building. It's like a list builder's dream army. Everything has a job. You got so many options. So I, when I'm list building with Skaven, um, I generally start by thinking about like what do I want this list to be doing? Is this a bruiser list? Am I like, am I trying to get into combat with this list? Am I bringing lots of pestilence and molder? Am I trying to stand and shoot? Am I trying to bring lots of scryer stuff? Am I doing like a mix of both? Uh, what allegiance abilities do I really need access to here? Because across the book, you've got that, this, this, uh, this kind of pattern where you get one allegiance ability for having one of the clan heroes and if you bring three of the clan heroes, you get a super upgraded version of it. Um, obviously, that's great for themed lists. Like if you want to go hard into Molder, you just bring a bunch of Master Molders and stuff like that. Most of the, spoiler alert, most of the, the upgraded abilities are not amazing. I, there's not a ton of scenarios where you'd want to bring three of the same clan uh, foot hero, except for the one that you have up here, which is three claw steps ahead. What about, is, what, what about Pestilence? I feel like Pestilence is another one that fits so in that category. It's a Pestilence, the, the, the thing with that's great about Pestilence, and I, 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 um, it's really good, Pestilence is really good for list building because you don't have to have three Pestilence heroes to get that value. You get to get it with just two. So I find myself putting two Plague Priests in basically all of my Skaven lists, spoiler alert, uh, because the, the Pestilence buff is just cumulative. The more Pestilence heroes that have, you have, the better the buff is. Okay. Um, so Pestilence, and I would say that the Pestilence Allegiance abilities and the Master Clan Allegiance abilities are probably the strongest. Um, but for to, to, to bring this back to list building, to answer your question, I think I'd start with what the list is trying to do, and then what tools do I need to make that list do what it's trying to do, um, and then start with the heroes. Because that's where you're probably going to have the most restrictions um, because we only have six hero slots and I have run into that restriction so many times list building this game and I wish we had seven. So, I, God, I, actually, I wish we had seven. <laughs> I actually don't wish you had seven. I think what I wish you had is some, like, uh, fire slayers where you have a couple of heroes that are not leaders. Yeah, there you go. Right. Absolutely. Like, like, a, like, for example, the Master Molders is not a leader. It's never going to be your general. Oh. Make, make, make like these little commanding idiots that aren't mm -hmm. leaders, and just have them as little support pieces. Yeah, but that anyway. has the Clans Molder hero keyword. Yeah, that would be course. so good. Yeah, all right, so let's let's get into these rules and look. 
I think I think someone as as wise as you are on the council of thirteen could probably spend ten years on each of these. Easily. So let's let's do like the, the high level overview of what do we like about the clan? Um, do you build into it? And if you are tapping into it, what are our what are our hot picks, whether it's units or mm-hmm. whether it is the artifact of the command trait? So I think that's probably sure. the best way to Best way yeah. to handle this, because otherwise, I think yeah, yeah, we could debate this for hours. I agree. Um, so, with Master Clan, the skilled manipulators—it's just a pass off for your Master Clan foot heroes, which is just your Gray Seers and your Gray Seer on Screaming Bell, because the other Master Clan heroes are monsters. So this ability—it's just a three-up pass off to anything that has three or more models within three inches. So most of the time, this is going to be clan rats. Um, it's just great to have survivability for your heroes. Uh, it's it's not necessarily an ability you build around because it's just there. It just happens. It's just, you know, an extra layer of defense for your super important foot heroes. Great ability. 10 out of 10. Love keeping my super important grace ears alive and healthy with a three at pass off. Um, so, you know, that's just nice to have. Three claw steps ahead. Yes, you build into this. Three master clan heroes. This ability is not so hot take. The best ability in our book. So, go ahead. No, I was just going to ask you just a little idea that came to my head. Uh, with grand strategies, I know we're jumping ahead a little bit. Could this be a great example of where you do spell casting savant where you've got your grace here as your general you're protected by a unit of, let's say, clan rats or something. You can bounce mortal wounds off. And then even if you're up against Seraphon, who's like sniping your, your heroes, you can three up, bounce those wounds off and protect your 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 general. If you, yeah, Spellcasting Savant is definitely very doable with this army. You do have some of the more durable uh, wizard foot heroes in the game with this uh, skilled manipulator's ability. So in terms of grand strats, if you want to go for Spellcasting Savant, the uh, skilled manipulators does help quite a bit. I would not go for spell to casting savant with a scryer wizard because they hurt themselves a lot and they don't have a pass off. But if you've got gray seers and you want to go for that grand strategy, that absolutely works. Um, good call out. Um, no, it was, it was just a thought. I'm like, because yeah. even against Seraphon, who's just like pipping, pipping your, your, your heroes. Uh, mm-hmm. That could be a great way to keep them so because you, you most of your heroes are only like five wounds, right? So yeah, they're all uh, five. Yeah, it's just an ex- and obviously your clan rats regenerate as well, especially if they're not in combat. So you've just got That's... this constant regeneration of, of idiots that uh, you're, you're able to bounce wounds off. And if he gets yeah. too low, just uh, heroic recovery. Good luck, bravery six. <laughs> um, but that that's a great if you're wanting to do spellcasting savant. I would bring a Plague Priest, too, with Heal. Fix up your Grace Seer with the D3. That's If you're going for Spellcasting Savant, that's probably the best way to do that. Yes, you just reminded me why I don't do Hero Willpower on Gits. I'm like, that's yeah. right, we have crap. We have crap your heroes are all like Bravery 5 and Bravery 6. I think the Grace Seers <laughs> are Bravery 6, but most of the non-Master Clan ones, like your Pestilence ones, are Bravery 5. So what you're not waste, you're not recovering those little what a waste guys. of what, what a waste of a heroic action. What, yeah, no, don't don't do that. Please don't try to heroic recover your grace here. Um, but <laughs> command uh, trades artifacts. Any favorites? 
do you want me to talk about three claw steps ahead? Because sure, yeah, yeah, please, okay. please, yeah. So this is definitely of the of all of the clan allegiance abilities to build into. Do this one. This ability is so strong. So in short, the first time you make a run roll, you can just take that. So say you roll a five for your first run roll. You take that five. You can just use it for all your run rolls. First time you make a charge roll, you just take that. Say you roll an eight. You can use that eight for all your charge rolls. And that can be modified further. So if you got like your plague monks that got the bell ringer for plus one of charge, you take that eight. That's a nine now. Uh, and then the first time you make a pile in move with a scaven unit in combat, everybody in combat makes gets to make a pile in move. And this does let you pile in twice, not pile in and fight twice, just make a pile and move twice, which is really strong because a lot of your, your rat units are pretty long spread out. You're running like 20 clan rats. You're running like 10 sensor bears. You might edge tag something, just barely get there with the charge, but the rest of the unit's not getting in six inch pile in. Essentially you're getting that whole unit into fight. It is so big. And you can do all sorts of horribly annoying things to screw with, like, combat order. You can, if you charge a unit of clan rats into something, you double pile in with it to, like, wrap it around. You know, you'd be, like, really annoying. Like, for example, I'll try to explain this as best I can. Say your opponent's got, like, ten Skull Reapers sitting right here. And then you've got, you charge a screen in front of it. If you wrap around and edge tag that Skull Reaper unit from both sides, it you have to pile into the closest thing. So that Skull Reaper unit is effectively just stuck there. So, you know, you might get a few tagging the clan rats here, a few attacking the clan rats here, but there's so many ways that you can abuse this ability to be so annoying. Um, abuse, and then Abuse means tactic. Abuse doesn't mean, like, being cheaty or anything. It's, it's no, smart no, 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 scaven no, no. tactics. It's smart scaven no, we don't tactics cheat. to be able to pin and be able to manipulate the battle. So if you're thinking about, like, What's the value of being able to pile in without attacking? Like being able mm-hmm. to get like this extra pile in? It's literally like it's the movement, it's the pinning, it's the um, uh, interrupting. The opponent was going to, you know, pile in here and move models here to get more models in, but actually mm-hmm. by doing it this way, you can stop the amount of attacks coming in. And you know, you might be able to stop an opponent moving onto an objective with their pile in to get extra bodies on the objective. And there's a lot of things that you can do with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No cheating, but this ability does feel very oppressive sometimes. Uh, and then call back to the second part. The first time you attempt a charge roll, you can use it for all your charge rolls. This ability makes like skitter leaping nine inches out and then fishing for that nine inch charge very consistent because you essentially get three tries at it. You get your first unit, you like charge some clan rats or something. You try for the nine and then you re-roll if you fail it. And then you get to, if you fail the nine, you get to try for a nine with whatever the thing teleported. But if you hit the nine with the, the first unit that tried to charge, all your dudes can just take that nine and go in. I have won so many games off of just hitting like a 10 inch charge with clan rats and then sending both my vermin lords and a unit of sensor bearers that just teleported in like, this it's so good for consistency it's and that that's the thing knowing what your charge rolls is going to be like say you're going for let into the maelstrom and you're like oh i hope i don't roll double ones because i don't have any command points you try with your little idiot clan rats they roll a five and you're just like i'm good i got the tactic everybody makes their charges 
that consistency is just peak. It's it's so useful. Yeah, that's it's a good shout. And when you talk about failing the charge, it's not that you fail the charge, fail to fish the nine. So if you mm-hmm. charge with the clan rats, you you might be within three. So you might be four inches away, and you might hit the the charge successfully. But the nine isn't by not getting the nine, it's not going to trigger a bunch of other things. So you may still re-roll that four. That uh, that is still low risk. And mm-hmm. if you can get the the nine, it means the skitter leap or any of those longer charges are going to benefit from um, the always three core steps ahead. Absolutely, yeah, it's very strong ability. Definitely one you build into. If you're running any sort of melee army with rat ogres, sensor bears, I would highly recommend getting three master clan heroes to to grab this. What are your favorite command traits and artifacts? Uh, what, um, what's your top, what's your topic? Uh, for artifacts, it's easy. Skaven Brew. You punch something, it takes D3 mortal wounds, and it gets plus one attack. Super good with Rat Ogres, because they're six wounds. They can easily take that D3. You punch them for D3, and then the Master Molders just whip them to heal them D3 again. The Master Molders can heal your Molder units in the in the uh, hero phase. So, Rat Ogres love Skaven Brew. Sensor Bears do too, especially if you're running a unit of 10, because you can afford to lose one. You lose one Sensor Bear, but you're gaining nine attacks. Um, I, yep. My, my it's camera might've died again, so I'm just going to stop right. it and continue on. Let's keep going. That's all good. So you so, brew great for your, um, for your, um, red ogres as well as yep. your, um, yeah, it's great for plague, uh, sensor bears. Uh, it's great for plague monks. It's great for even giant rats, like any, any or your little foot, like even storm vermin. If you run a run a brick as thirty storm vermin, there's a million, you know, units in the Skaven battle tome that would love just a free plus one attack. And it's not it's not a uh, clan keyword locked. It's just any Skaven unit. Give it plus one attack. It's very very good. What about um, the command traits for a command trait? Um, right. N- normally, I would say Master of Magic because. Rerolling all your casting, dispelling, and unbinding rolls is very good, but well, primal dice are active right now. You can't re-roll and then add primal dice. So in this season, I would probably say Diabolical Schemer um, because blocking commands is strong, um, and it also gives you a command back if you hit this. So uh, for like, if you want to go for like a castle list, you got your Gracie, you're on Screaming Bell, uh, sitting in the middle. You throw a Diabolical Schemer on it. It's got a big old base, got a big old 13-inch aura of 5-up, no commands received. Now, it is a 5-up, but, I mean, there's a lot of OBR. There's a lot of Slanesh. There's a lot of armies right now that are issuing, you know, three or four commands a turn. You're probably going to block one, maybe two of them. So it's it's just free value. So if you want a Master Clan command, like, general, I would probably say Diabolical Schemer right now. I I still don't hate Master of Magic on no. this hero because you're right, you can't add primal dice with the reroll, but you can certainly, as we talked about, if you're getting nine casts on average in your army, then guaranteeing one or two through through a reroll, um, yeah, you might, you know, you might have um you talk about Skittleap, you talked about um all the all the other spells that you've got, you might get those off more consistently and yep. put some of those Hoarfrosts, those um, those blizzards, those higher casting values that you might want to put your primal dice into 
just not on your general. Yeah, absolutely. Master Magic is still very good. Both Diabolical Schemer and Master Magic are absolutely playable. Um, they're not. There is a better command trait, which we'll get to later, I think, uh, than both of these. But if you want a Master Clan hero uh, to be your general, both Master Magic and Diabolical Schemer are great, great options. Wouldn't okay. fault you for wanting to play them. And and obviously you don't have to take a Master Clan general, so you can no. tap into some of the others. So same kind of format, like high level clan molder. Uh, what do we like about this? Obviously you've got the big hell pit abomination list here that's literally in mm -hmm. front of you taking up half the screen so yep. you know we, we know hell pit abominations have gone down in points we've already spoke about how we both like the hell pit abomination even before the discount and now <laughs> you get a allegiance ability to make it even better yes absolutely so um price creations absolutely great because you get you don't uh, for this you don't have to take the master molder to get that mutation for your first hell pit so you can take just one help it, throw it into your list, and you do get to pick one of these uh, mutations, which is awesome. Um, the best one uh, is definitely tough into sinews. It, uh, the help it base is 14 wounds on a 5-up save, I believe. So kicking it up to 16 wounds on a 4-up save just gives it so much more durability. Um, so it's definitely the best one. Um, as far as a second choice... If you really don't want to go tough and sinews, I would say probably backup organs. Getting a reroll for that too horrible to die, which is the uh, the first time it dies on a five up, it actually comes back and heals some. A reroll for that, I would say that's probably the second best one, uh, just because it's helping your durability a little bit. Now with this, uh, you can build into it, get three master molders, and then you can have uh, mutations for every hell pit in your army if you're a mad lad and you're bringing four hell pits but i think that's probably a bit more of a cute list than a than a good list but it's 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 an option yeah i haven't seen too many lists where you've got three hell pits obviously you can doesn't mean you probably should but you do right i'm not here to, i'm not here to, to yuck your yum no we're not here to judge but like if I'm building a competitive list, I don't mind lumbering behemoth as another one, getting a consistency to the movement. So the the I think if lumbering behemoth just said this unit has a move characteristic of seven and ended there, it would be amazing. But the fact that charge rolls for this unit are automatically treated as seven is I find it's more of a detriment than a buff because. There's a lot of times where I'm getting it within eight inches or nine inches of something, and I land that eight or nine inch charge with my three claw steps, and I'm like, oh man, I could send this help it in right now, but this lumbering behemoth ability would block me from doing that. So it's 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 up to you if if you it can sometimes be good, but I do find that the charge rolls are automatically treated as seven can sometimes be a detriment. It can be good and bad. It can... Yeah. Because it's not elite, so it can't issue or receive its own command. So if no. you try to set up a charge you and you can you fail that charge, then, you know, you can't really, really re-roll it without being babysat. But yep. I, I also hear your counter-argument that if you go for the long bomb charge and you have that nine for the, ma the Master Clan rule we just spoke about, then you've shot yourself in the foot. Yeah. 
if you're bringing multiple hell pits and you're building into them a little bit and you're getting multiple um, uh, mutations on each of them, I would definitely take Lumbering Behemoth on one of them because consistency for what your one hell pit, maybe that's like just on its own. That's pretty nice. But um, as you know, oh, uh, but if you're just bringing one hell pit, I think tough and sinews, you're basically going like 99 out of 100 times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm saying lumbering behemoth as an extra. I'm not talking yes. about number one choice. Number one choice, yeah, absolutely. Tough and sinews or backup organs. Agree wholeheartedly. Agreed. What about um, command traits and artifacts? For command traits, uh, the only one that I would really do is a cunning mutator i think because it gives you consistency for bringing back those rat ogres if you're building into rat ogres i take cunning mutator if you're not and you're just playing a bunch of hell pits you definitely do molder supreme get that plus one to hit and wound on all your hell pits close to that guy but i probably would not make your uh master molder or your general he dies too easily um, I would probably just skip over these. <laughs> I would wholeheartedly agree. And the artifacts don't really stand out for me. Lash of Fangs is pretty bad. Foul Hide is a detriment because you don't want your guy to be Wounds 10 because then he doesn't benefit from Lookout, sir. Rabid Crown is fine. Free plus one to hit is nice. But you're probably not taking this over some of your other artifact choices from other clans. If, if in a future version we get a whole bunch more Molder, I think maybe we revisit some of oh, this yeah. stuff. But right now it's just it, – there's not enough gas in, in, in this to build a heavy Molder list, which is why I'd want to invest in artifacts and command traits. Wholeheartedly agree. My favourite is Eshin. So would I build around Eshin? No. Would I bring a couple of <laughs> would I would I would I build a couple of units in my army to bring mobility, some mortal wounds, and some some neat little tricks? Yes, I would. Where yes. do you stand on Eshin and some of the rules here? Are you taking three Eshin heroes? Um, the Eshin ability as it stands: pick one enemy hero, and all your Eshin stuff gets plus one to hit and wound against it. And it is for all attacks, including shooting, which is where most of Eshin's damage does come from. So this is a great ability. It's uh, 10 times better if you're playing against, like, Teclas or Nagash or something like that. Because in the, you know, the age of Lookout Sir being as strong as it is, you're probably not going to be able to use this against some foot hero. But it's a good ability. Uh, three Eshin heroes, probably not, because the buff is only in melee. And I don't think your most of your Eshin stuff really wants to be in a melee because it's very fragile. But the ability by itself is good for that one hero. Um, none of the command traits are particularly noteworthy, but I would like to highlight one artifact. Shadow Magnet Trinket, if you are playing a Verminlord Deceiver, put this on it. 100%. Once per battle, at the start of the combat phase, you pop it and you get Strike First until your next hero phase. So what makes this so strong? You pop your strike first. You 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 know the deceiver's decent in combat. It kills something. But then when you get double turned by your opponent, they pile everything into that deceiver. He strikes first, and then he scurries away. It's very strong. It's very good. It's a very good combo. Having strike first on demand is very good for Skaven, especially on you know on your turn. 
you get your strike first and then you get your you fight with something else very good artifact it, it amazes me that a uh, vermin lord can scurry away it feels like yep. something that should be under 10 wound abilities and if you like if you're at the table i guarantee you most people just forget about that 100 percent, 100 percent. i warn every opponent that i play against of this ability because it is a gotcha 100 percent. nobody will remember that vermin lords can scurry away but shadow magnet trinket great artifact if you're running a vermin lord deceiver deceiver i highly recommend giving this to him I have seen some really good use of the Master of Molder ability, and, and I know you said that they don't want to get in combat because they're fragile, but when you have a bunch of shooting attacks and then going for the charge, whether it is using slinks, whether it's using um, a, a hero in addition with some, you know, um, night runners, I have, mm -hmm. I have seen, you know, a couple of mortal wounds, if you can position them correctly, chip away, T take some wounds off the hero and then get into combat and finish it off. I have seen that work a few times, so I, I wouldn't completely write off the combat, but you've got to be really smart and tactical on when you do it. No, that, that is a fair shout. Um, if you're playing for the double turn, you got lots of gutter runners and maybe you get, you get three claw steps ahead too, just to make the, the, the charge more consistent. I have seen some people run three Eshin heroes and three master clan heroes they just go like a fast-paced combat tricks, lots of charging, retreating, targeting down the heroes. It does work. Um, it's definitely something you can do. So, yeah, definitely I, I not. Have, I haven't seen three heroes. I think I think three is too many, especially when you look at the trade-off. But uh, being able to snipe out that hero in the backfield, mm -hmm. if, you can, if you get the plus one to hit in both shooting and melee, yeah. uh, it's not bad. No, Masters of Murder is definitely good, and especially if you're bringing Slink. Slink, Slink loves this ability. Getting plus one to hit and wound for him and all of his posse. It's if you're playing Slink, Masters of Murder is great because he's almost guaranteed to pop that one hero. So no, don't don't sleep on Eshin. They can do some stuff. Got some good shooting. Got some speed. They got some mortal wound output. They they work just fine. You can stick a couple of gutter runners in your list. You'll get some good value. Yeah, I, th I think if I was going to do it, I would have slinks with the claw pack, obviously, and mm -hmm. a, a and one unit of gunner runners. I, like, I think that's probably enough yes. for me. That's probably I wouldn't I wouldn't go any more than that right now. I, I would agree with that. I think slink plus you could even go if you got the reinforcement points. A, a unit of fifteen gunner runners does a lot of damage. Forty five attacks with mortal wounds on sixes. They definitely could put out work. They're not half bad in melee either. So if you got the, the reinforcement points, I would totally say you could do like Slink and 15 gutter runners. Very playable. So we said command traits, not really. Artifact, Shadow, Magnet, Trinket is probably mm -hmm. our favorite. And I, I would agree. Uh, the, the strike first effect, I love it. And it might actually deter somebody from actually taking the double. Like, you know what? I just don't want to deal with this. Absolutely. Um, take the turn and you can then scurry away anyway. All right, uh, Verminous. This is my least favorite. This is my least favorite of the, <laughs> of the sub factions. Maybe you uh, disagree, and maybe you're going to convince me otherwise. I just, I, I'm not a big fan of Verminous. So, the allegiance ability is is bad, and the and I'm not I'm not going to mince words here. Mighty Warlords is a pretty bad ability. 
Um, you mentioned earlier, like much earlier at the start, um, how our battle tome feels more like a second edition battle tome sometimes, or like a 2.5 battle tome. This is this is one of the things that screams it to me. This is such a Mighty Warlords is a heroic action that is very, very not well thought out, and it's very much of an afterthought. This was clearly written close to when the book was being finished as an afterthought. It lets you use your heroic action to give your Claw Lord one of the command traits. You're probably not playing a Claw Lord to begin with, and even if you are playing a Claw Lord, you're definitely not using your heroic action to take one of these three pretty subpar command traits. So I, the only thing that I'd like to highlight with Clans Verminous here is that all three of Clans Verminous artifacts are pretty good, but you're not playing them on a Claw Lord. You're playing him on a Vermin Lord Warbringer. My personal favorite is Warpstone Charm. It, it basically it's subtract one from save rolls for enemy units within three inches. So it's basically you read it and it's just plus one rent to all your stuff. <laughs> I'm glad you called that the, uh, the, the wall bring up because it's probably one of the only things that I've seen used. And I like um, the, the wall between the re-rolling wo re wound rolls. If it's within th th 13 inches of three or friendly Skaven units, um, you've got the damage, what is it? The unmodified hit roll for an attack is a six with the spike fist. The damage is yep. six instead of three. Um, yep. there's some nice little things on this particular, uh, Vermin Lord. Yes. So you can, I have seen people do this. You can build a, like a, um, a durable Vermin Lord. I've seen people do the, the, the tanky Warbringer build. You go with powerful score. alpha to ignore the first two wounds or mortal wounds in each phase. And then you go uh, rust cursed armor for plus one to save built in. I have seen it uh, like a, cause there's, the, you can do the, the melee warbringer loadout, which is what I do, or you could do the durable one. It does work. I think melee one is probably better. Warpstone charm. He gives him rend three on all of his profiles. He's got a lot of attacks if you give him the, the good command trade in this book, which is Devious Adversary, which we'll cover at some point, Warbringer slaps very hard. And that's kind of the takeaway from Verminous. The Warbringer is the best Verminous troop. All the rest, not great. And the command traits and the Allegiance ability are pretty bad. Yeah, I think where I've seen the Verminous work the best is also having um, Storm, Storm Vermin to act as a bodyguard using yes. the elite bodyguard rules to be able to absorb damage, then you can rally them back and, you know, yada, yada, yada. Yes. Uh, but obviously the, the changes to rally as well means that, you know, you can't bring a block of 30 or 20. Yeah. And then like just bring them all back. Like, yeah, I don't know. And they don't, the, 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 and the downside to also to uh storm vermin is they don't get the D three model regen that clan rats get and they don't get any sort of boosted rally. So it's just a six up rally. And then when you compare them side by side to clan rats, clan rats are a hundred points for 20 models. Uh, Storm vermin, I believe are 120 120. or 120 for yeah, 120 for 10. Yeah. Yeah. There's almost no universe when you're taking storm vermin over clan rats in my experience. You got, you've got to be really building into that durability of the, um, 
of the the vermin lord otherwise you're right it is hard to justify paying you know almost double for the for the same for the bodies like you you gotta get yes. real value out of those abilities 100 totally on totally agree with that all right so verminous air let's not really build into it we probably spent nah. more time than we probably should have talking about it the fun one the one that people love the most is scryer uh, this... it should just be called it should just be called clan mortal wounds Yes, Scryer is what most people think of when they think of Skaven. It's where all the hurting ourselves come from. It's where all the shooting and the crazy war machines come from. So Allegiance abilities, Warpstone Sparks is great. Uh, gives you D3 plus 3 Sparks that you can all spend once per game. Most of the time you're spending these on giving your Storm Fiends plus 1 damage or your Rattling Guns plus 1 damage. I have seen sometimes you spend one to get that uh, re-roll a spell on your scryer wizard but great ability i would definitely not bring three scryer heroes to get d6 plus three sparks 100 percent not worth it just bring your one scryer hero maybe two um so the allegiance ability is great plus one damage for your shooting is great they have a chance to hurt you but it's a very minor chance so it's just it's just what it is that's the ability <laughs> can, can i just say my favorite use of a warpstone spark Sure. Let's hear it. Getting out of a failed cast with a double one. Yep. You roll a miscast, especially against corn. Uh great way to get out of that. Yes, that is very true. It it does not uh specify when in the hero phase the spark needs to be eaten. So it is a great get out of jail free card if you uh, miscast with your scryer hero, or if you really need to get more 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 warp power off. So the sparks are great. On-demand reroll casting and plus one damage. Definitely, I'm here for it. Yeah, like even, like even if you don't think you get the spell off, just getting yourself out of mis, uh, miscast ranges uh, mm-hmm. is, is incredibly valuable. Absolutely. Um, command traits, nothing notable with Clan Scryer. You're picking. You're you're not making a, a, a an arch warlock or a bombardier or whatever. Your general, he's gonna die. He's gonna kill himself. It's what scryer heroes do. Artifacts. If you're playing Doom Wheels, take Vial of the Fulminator. You poke at the start of your movement phase. You poke a war machine within six, and it doubles its move characteristic. Doom Wheels move four d six. That means your Doom Wheel is pretty consistently moving like thirty inches in one turn. They are hilarious. So if you're playing Doom Wheels, I would highly recommend playing Vial of Fulminator. Otherwise, the uh, Clan Scryer artifacts are not terribly noteworthy. <laughs> if, you, if, if you're going to talk, if you're going to talk dumb things with me, Keegan, at least we can talk about putting Levitate on it as well. Levitate on the Doom Wheel, fight on death on the Doom Wheel, have it go thirty inches, just ram it into your opponent's lines, have it fly over all the screens. Then just have it like ping pong bounce off all the heroes, do mortal wounds, and kill them all. The Doom Wheel is the ultimate guided missile. Chuck it at your opponent. See how much carnage it causes before it explodes. <laughs> and you know what? With some interesting positioning, you might actually be able to get it within twelve to be able to get around Lookout Sir. Like it's almost like a Skaven version of Severeth to a degree. That is notable. The Doom Wheel shooting range is thirteen, so you can. You do have the range to to get right within twelve and potentially snipe some heroes with it. So, Scryer, I, I it's good. Um, uh, the, it's all a bit random. It's good fun. Uh, in terms of competitive viability, 
I would probably stay away from Scryer. It's a little bit too random, and you really don't want to be killing your own foot heroes and killing your own troops too much. But it's very fun. I have done well with Scryer competitively in the past. Not lately, but in the past, I've done okay with them. Um, one of my two lists does have some Scryer shooting in it, so we'll go over that. But I, I, so I, I'm fine with Scryer. I like where they're at. I think you supplement your list with Scryer. You don't build around Scryer. I, I mean, agree. Like, you could build around at least a, a Castle Breaker of having two or three Lightning Cannons, and yes. you might build into, you know, your Storm Fiends. You might build into certain parts of it, but my army would not be, like, 80% Scryer because no. you're, basically, you're basically going all in on one particular thing, and if it works, awesome. If it doesn't work, uh, you've got extra time at the bar. Absolutely. And most of the Scryer stuff is cheap enough that you can supplement it quite well. So I, I agree with that for sure. The last one, and it's very, very wordy, this one, is we've got a bunch of rules for our Pestilence. So I'll bring up uh, the, <laughs> the the big set of rules. But basically, yes. uh, with, with Clan Pestilence, as you've said, is around, you know, they're all about the priests. They get extra boost to chanting. They have a bunch of things where if they roll a six plus, now obviously that can be brought down. You can activate a plague. And yes. there are some very interesting plagues. Yes. Um, after three claw steps ahead and Master Clan, Pestilence is the, my personal favorite for building into right now. I'm putting two Plague Priests in almost all of my lists. When they hug the Gnaw Hole and they're close to each other, they're both effectively plus two to chant. So that's two chances, four up, you get a Great Plague, which is very strong. Um, I'm not going to go through all the Great Plagues, too many words. The two ones that I want to call out here, the Never Plague, this is always the one you go for first. You manifest this Great Plague, you get to reroll chance for the rest of the battle. Simple but effective. Means basically all your buff prayers are going off on two ups rerolling, and you've got infinite good tries for getting those great plagues off. Um, the next best, uh, the next best great plague to highlight here is bubonic blight plague, because you pick you pick the closest enemy unit within thirteen, and you punch it for two d six mortal wounds, and you don't need to go any further than that. You you're, you get you, your stormcast, the annihilators come down, they get in front of you on your turn. You punch them for eight mortal wounds, kill, kill, you know, two or three of the annihilators already got value. It is, it, and this is, it's so scary for opponents. They hear that you can manifest 2d6 mortal wounds once per game with these little priest foot heroes. They got to respect it. 13 inches is, is a decent size from those little, little pestilence foot heroes. So I love the pestilence. I love the great plagues. Very strong. I I gotta ask you: Have you pulled off Red Moor Plague? And if you have, what <laughs> what what have you um, what have you chosen? So Red, Red Moor Plague for the people who aren't reading is basically you pick a pick the nearest enemy hero within thirteen inches of the chanter. So you pick an enemy hero, and it basically becomes yours for like a combat phase. You can yep. do a little bit of fighting. It's very it, it's very strong if you can get it to happen. Um, my most exciting Red Maw ever was in just a very chill game against my um, opponent. Uh, he was playing Kragnos Gits, and I Red Mawed Kragnos. Uh, and Kragnos just went off. He just turned and beat 30 squigs right into the ground. It was terrible. 
I felt so bad for my opponent, but it, it makes great. Red Maw is so much fun when it happens. It makes some really, really good fun games. Um, yeah, it, I love it. It's it's just tons of fun. It's a great silly ability. Yeah, I, I think a lot of players, when they hear that rule can happen, they're like, wait a second, I don't want you to, to use my own Scar brand. I use my own Kragnos, use my exactly. own... Archaeon against me. Yeah, it's it, it is very, very it is a very fun ability. Um not probably gonna happen. I, I don't think in my last like ten games of playing it, I don't think I read mod a single hero, but when it does happen, oh you remember it. Oh, it's oh, so yeah. funny. Oh, it's uh, it, it sounds good on potential. Uh, it just doesn't happen very often. There's just too many things mm-hmm. that happen in the sequence. You've got to be within 13. You've got to hit the six or the five. Uh, it can be hard to set up. But when it does, uh, you've created a story of a lifetime. Oh, absolutely. What are those command traits and artifacts? Are you taking any of these? And if that you are, what are they? Definitely not. If you want to make your Plague Priest a commi- uh, your general, just give him High Priest. Let him re-roll right off the bat. I would not take any of these command traits over that. Um, artifacts, there's some more interesting options here, though. Um, Blade of Corruption, if you're playing a Vermin Lord Corruptor, you definitely give him this. The Corruptor, is it is 2d6 attacks, but it is 2d6 attacks. You could spike, you could get like 10 attacks, and then he's like Boom Thurster levels of damage. Every 6 you roll to wound is ren three damage six so he could just you know it's obviously incredibly swingy but he could just roll up to something and punch it into the ground doing like 20 28 damage to it or something ridiculous um he's pretty good if you've got a lot of pestilent stuff and you're trying to be tricky uh blistrevis the living cyst is a good shout too because he's permanent strike first he does do this cute like weird thing where he jumps to a different pestilence hero every battle round but notably he can jump to somebody who already has an artifact so the combo here is you take your vermin lord corruptor who's got blade of corruption and then you take a plague priest on foot and let the plague priest start with the cyst and then battle round two or three you jump it to the corruptor so the corruptor's got both strike first and that crazy swingy damage artifact um, so if you're running hard pestilence, that is a combo to keep in mind. It is quite strong. I like it. I like it. Don't start it on the corruptor. Actually start it somewhere else. And then, yeah, I like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Pestilence is a good time. Got some good rules here. It's my second favorite after master clan for sure. Probably second strongest after master clan too. It's good because I've actually been waiting for a time for pestilence to start to rise and, I think there's some good stuff in there. There's mm-hmm. some really good stuff in there. And it's it's good to hear that it's kind of working. And I think the fact that Thankful is not a now an auto-include now means you've got 400, 500 points that you used to have Thankful and the boat now mm-hmm. being reinvested and new ideas are kind of coming to the fold. Absolutely. Entorian Acolytes is a battalion. I imagine this is a great one for you. You're probably going to pick it in a lot of situations. You've got plenty of cheap heroes, plenty of ones that can fit into the Entorian Acolytes battalion to generate yourself extra primal magic dice. You've yep. talked about a great spell spell law that you want to tap into and having more primal dice is just better. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I my default loadout for basically all of my Skaven lists right now is a Warlord and an Antorian Acolytes. It's it's the, the extra primal dice is so strong, especially with an army that's casting as many spells as Skaven is. I would not leave home without it right now. Yeah, that's my that's my git's preference to be honest. Warlord and uh, Antorian acolytes. Forget oh, yeah. trying to be one drop or two drop. I, our armies don't really care about being one drop anyway. No. Um, so we might as well lean in and get extra prayers, extra spells, get an extra artifact, as well as extra uh, primal magic dice, which which have been critical in you know having a difference between me and my opponents. Um, if I got one or two extra dice, yes, absolutely. Yeah, just whenever you get those mashups against, you know, like maybe uh, an army that, you know, if you're playing against an army that doesn't have acolytes, it, it, you feel the you feel that deficit of primal dice in your favor very quickly, and it is very strong. Yeah, agreed. Do you see value in Wizard Finders of Antor? I personally don't. I've, I've made this very clear. There's not a lot of benefit or upside versus the other options, but do you see a world where this is good for you? The problem with wizard finders for it, it, it you can choose it. It's, it, it, I could see you taking it for sure because it does only take one um, hero slot. So, you know, come to think of it, I, I might even be able to fit this into my current list. Um, I, it does only take one hero slot. The downside is that hero slot, it can't be a wizard. And most of your best heroes are wizards. So, the only thing I think in a in a more competitive list or in a like you could maybe use the plague priest in this, mm. but you put you like the plague priest in this and then you put uh, your sensor bearers in this. But honestly, I think I'm I'm gonna make the the claim that we don't even really need this. We do enough damage as is, and we'd rather have Antorian acolytes, and we'd rather have warlord. I think so. I, look, if you found yourself with a couple of units left spare and you can't fit them in any, anything else, you obviously take it. But I wouldn't be building a list around Wizard Finders of Antor. No. Uh, no. Cool. Definitely I, not. I kind of, I kind of felt that. Have you sure. got what's your favorite Grand Strat and why? Or do you well, have two? Like, obviously, not go through all of them. Uh, sure. But do you have like one or two that really stand out for you currently in the season? Arch Corruptors of the Mortal Realms. It is the Skaven, uh, Skaven Battle Tome Grand Strategy. When the battle ends, you complete this Grand Strat if there are three or more friendly Master Clan or Clans, Pestle, and Heroes from your starting army on the battlefield. I love this. It's very hard for your opponent to deny. They got to kill a lot of heroes. Most of my lists have three Master Clan and two Pestilence, so they have to kill three of those five to deny this. As we've already talked about, Gracie's are very survivable. With the minus one to hit, the lookout sir changes, the pass off that they get. The vermin lords are quite durable, and the pestilence heroes are quite durable. I ever since I started running this, I think I've done about thirty or forty games since I've run this, and I've failed it like once. It is it is quite consistent, especially late game because of the gnaw holes and because of skitter leap. You can and and scurry away. It's very easy to keep your heroes far away from your opponent to who are trying to deny them and you know if you've played skaven for a while you'll know this there doesn't tend to be a lot left on the field for either with when playing skaven you've usually killed a lot of their stuff and they've killed a lot of your stuff so the chance that with their battle line and foot heroes they're going to kill your foot heroes it's quite slim 
I like the scrunch drone a lot. I guess the only thing would be if you were building into Scryer and, and other parts of, of the army, mm -hmm. you, you then you've got to really protect those Master Clan and the Pestilence yes. heroes. If, if you're doing a bit more of a soup list and you're wanting to bring some Scryer and some Molder, I would probably go for Spellcasting Savant, as we've talked about already. It's pretty consistent with your Gracie or with its pass-off. But if you're building, you bring in two Plague Priests and you bring in three Claw Steps ahead, I go Arch Corruptors every time. But Spellcasting Savant and Arch Corruptors are probably the two that I would highlight here from this list. Everything else is just whatever. What about your battle tactics? We've obviously talked already about flea feet, flea, which is mm -hmm. one that works really well for you. And um, talking to people in Skaven in general, it seems like this has just been a uh, gift from the heavens, I guess, is just yes. people have seen this battle tactic and they're just like, hooray, this is something, this has been so important for us and they've been mm -hmm. really enjoying it, but scoring it quite often. Yes, I, I love flea flea. Um, Talking about the book battle tactics for a second, the only other one that I think is quite consistent is Crescendo of the Diseased Choir. If you have three Plague Priests and you get the Never Plague for your rerolls turn one, this battle tactic is almost free. Because it's two ups rerolling for all your prayers. The chances that you roll a one into a one are very slim. If, you ha if I've ever had three Pestilence Priests, this tactic is very free. But... The other tactics from the book are not so hot. Restore the Beast almost never happens. I've never scored it. Deathmark, if you have Eshin sometimes. Uh, Firefire more and more is just reliant on your opponent. If they have monsters and you have Scryer, you can sometimes get this. If they don't have monsters, no chance. If you don't have Scryer, no chance. So Flea Flea is our only, like, no matter what Skaven list you're playing, you're always going to be able to score Flea Flea at some point in the so in terms of other battle tactics, my go-to turn one is usually Magical Dominance. Beyond Magical Dominance, we don't have great turn one tactics. So usually what I'm just doing is I'm just backlining my wizards and you know keeping them out of range of unbinds. It's usually pretty easy to do that. It's a little map dependent. If the map is like a sideways deployment and you're very close to your enemy, this can sometimes be hard to do. But generally, I don't have problems scoring this one, turn one. Um, Intimidate can also be a decent turn one tactic. We do have a lot of units usually and a lot of foot heroes who want to remain on the back. So be mindful of that when you're going for this tactic. Uh, I've accidentally failed this quite often. Um, but Intimidate and uh, uh, Magical Dominance are the go-to turn ones. Uh, once you get into the meat... Surround and Destroy, Lead into the Maelstrom, and Bait and Trap are all fairly easy to score. It's just typical combat things, and like I said earlier in the video, you do have to kind of plan these out. Surround and Destroy is a good one to plan for, um, but Bait and Trap and Lead into the Maelstrom are usually pretty easy to score. Um, reprisal is niche. You go for it if you have the chance. Endless Expropriation is niche. You go for it if you have the chance. Um, but generally I think what I'm shooting for here is magical dominance, turn one, intimidate the invaders, turn two, let into the maelstrom, turn three, bait and trap or flee flee, turn four, and then surround and destroy or whichever one from bait and trap of flee flee I haven't done yet for turn five. That's generally my roadmap for how I'm going for battle tactics with Skaven in this GHB. 
and then adjust accordingly depending on yes. the matchups. Like, you know, you come up yes. against Seraphon or Corn, and Corn gets turn one, chuck down the Hex Gorgeous Skulls. Maybe yep. let's de- let's deprioritize uh, Magical Mayhem. Uh, yes. Maybe just a little bit. Yeah, if you're against Seraphon, you're never getting Magical Dominance turn one. You might not even get that all game, so you're going to have to adjust a little bit, but yeah. Joke's on you, Keek, and last game I played against Seraphon, we both failed Magical Dominance. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my, 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 my Gits failed it, and he laughed at me, and then I stopped his, and I laughed at him. Oh my like, goodness. Yep, Scragrot's dominated uh, Lord Croak. Like, take that one. Oh, that's, yeah, you just, you save all your primal dice, you wait for that little skink here or whatever to cast his spell on a 10, and then you just go, Scragrot, unbinds on a 20. <laughs> go, 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 Scragrot. Yeah. I love it. So, I love it. That's hilarious. I, I, but I also have done it against Corn with uh, they fail Hex Gorgeous Skulls and like, yeah, giddy up. I'm doing magical dominance um, all day. Notably, you mentioned Corn and mentioned Hex Gorgeous Skulls. That's one of the reasons I'm so hot on Pestilence right now. Having a priest to have that chance to banish the skulls is huge. It is a four up because you have to beat the, the summon value. But a coin flip chance to get rid of Hex Gorgeous Skulls is so much better than zero chance at all. Yeah, most armies have no access to a priest, and if they could pay for it, they would. But having a chance to get rid of Hex Gorgeous, especially in some of those battle plans where, like, if an Antorian Locust dies, you give away a VP. I I want to get rid of that ASAP, and I will take the 50-50 shot. 100%. Every time you take that 50-50. Getting rid of Skulls is huge. Yeah. Which leads us into two lists. So the first list, this is your Michigan list, if I'm correct, the 5-0 Michigan list. Yep. Uh, the grand strategy was Arch Corruptor of the Mortal Realms. You've got yourself a Triumph, which is Indomitable. You have a Gracier with Skitter Leap and Merciless Blizzard. You have a Gracier with Hoarfrost and Death Frenzy. You've got uh, Lord Screech, the Vermin King. You've got a Plague Priest with Rabid Rabid, a Vermin Lord Warbringer, which is the General, Devious Adversary, uh, Warpstone Charm with Flaming Weapon and Levitate. You've got a Plague Priest with Heal. You've got two units of 20 Clan Rats, You are both with the Blade. You've got 10 Plague Sensor Bearers, uh, 10 Plague Sensor Bearers, a Hell Pit Abomination, and a Warp Grinder, all wrapped up in a Warlord. I think that's a mistake on my part. It's not an artifact, folk. It's an extra spell. Um, yes. so, so talk to me about this list. And and uh, notably, I also have a um, Antorian Acolytes. Yes, I'll, I'll fix this. I, mean, I'll, I think I'll just have to fix this up. Oh, you're fine. Don't worry in, about it. In the post-production. So sure. talk, about the, talk about this list and how it works. All right. So this list is basically the culmination of what I think is all of our strongest War Scrolls and all of our strongest rules um, with our best play style, which I think currently it's best to leave the Scryer shooting castle and the, the castle type play style behind i'm going for a bruiser type list i want to be in combat quickly um and basically this list is designed to give me as much consistency and as much option coverage as i can so you'll notice i got the double spell i got both flaming weapon and levitate on the warbringer for the fly on demand i've got skitter leap for teleports i got death frenzy on the warp i got death frenzy on the grace here for fight on death the warbringer spell has fight on death too so this list trades up very hard. Uh, the sensor bears and the hell pit are just trying to get as much damage out as they can before they die. Um, but basically, this list is designed to play very reactively. So 
it's um, as many drops as possible, like 11 or 12 drops. Um, I'm usually putting the warp grinder in deep strike first just to see what people's first drop. If they're a one drop, that's great. I get to see their whole army before doing anything. Um, if I'm playing a shooting army, I'm usually putting the sensors, 10 sensor bears in with the warp grinder so they don't get shot off and I can keep some damage in the pocket. But yeah, essentially this list is just made to play reactively. I do not care whether you give me first turn or second turn. If you give me first turn, I get to cast all my spells, get all my buffs across on the army. If you give me second, I can double turn you with Skaven, which is a death sentence for almost any army in the game. Still, we do so much damage on a double turn. So but, how do you win? Like, how do you win? Like, how do I like win when you, with this Because when you look at it, right, like it's relatively unassuming. You've got a yeah. warp grinder. Who cares? You've got the helpit abomination, independent monster threat. You've obviously got the plague sensor bearers who we know can slap. Got a couple mm-hmm. of priests. Like you've got some things. Yes. How does it all come together to actually be this cohesive force that has, has helped you be very successful? So generally, I win most of my games by um, moving up, covering the objectives, playing the objective game, scoring on the primary, because I got a lot of bodies. I can stretch out pretty far. So I go for just battle tactics in primary for the first two turns, and then I countercharge hard. You get the clan rats. I usually am double layering these guys to protect against double turns, because they are fast. They can move out of the way for my own stuff quickly. Um, They can retreat well, all that but double layer screens to protect against big melee. So yeah, this is just like counter charge and killing people quickly. It's so I'm hoping not, not hoping, but I'm designing this. So if you engage my list in combat, I got three inch melee on a lot of stuff. I got double pylons across the board. You can't engage my list and you can't kill anything in my list without losing something yourself. My list trades up very hard with this sensor bearers. So it's 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 just a brawler list. I'm like I'm scoring on primary, going for objectives, and I'm grinding my opponent down very quickly. If this list, it it, it has a lot of opportunity play. If I get any sort of opening, I can capitalize super hard. If I get enough space to shove the Warbringer in, he consistently does like 33 damage to a four up save. Vermin King does like 24 damage to a four up save. Sensor bears do crazy damage. If given the opportunity, I can table somebody so quickly with this list. So I I basically stall out and do primary and objectives and buff up my defenses for the first two turns. And then I just collapse on them on turns, you know, bottom of turn two, turn three, and then grind them down. This list, it tables people. Very, it snowballs so hard. If I get momentum with this list, the game is usually over in a turn. Yeah, it's interesting because you've got a lot of different units that aren't reliant on heavy synergies. You have a lot of independent threats and mm-hmm. you know the plague, plague sensor bearers, yeah, they benefit from Death Frenzy and they can benefit from like, you know, Merciless Blizzard, but like there's not a lot of like big linchpins that, you know, remove this from the table and your army crumbles. Mm-hmm. Sure, I can focus on one of the Vermin Lords, but you've got another Vermin Lord, plus you've got a bunch of other things. So you've really got a bunch of key threats. And Absolutely. I imagine I imagine a lot of people even just ignore the clan rats. There's like, right, I've got to kill this, I've got to kill this, I've got to mm-hmm. kill this. And totally. You, you, you make a lot of hard decisions on where I start my combat sequences. 
Yes. So that is that is this this list force a lot of this list forces a lot of very awkward combat directions because of double piling within three claw steps and fight on death. Like a lot of the thing people will think about is like, all right, I went into these sensor bears and then I went into something else. Do I fight these sensor bears now? Because they're gonna fight on death. But if I don't fight them now, they'll fight me, do a ton of damage to me, and then I have to fight them anyway, and they're gonna kill me because they fought and then fought on death. So it's like I've got five hammers. I got Vermin King, Warbringer, two times ten sensor bears, help it. I can lose a ton of stuff and still have good output. It's just this list this list keeps on fighting until I'm completely tabled. Like I I I've built it to have win conditions from basically anywhere. Like I can I can keep the game going right until I'm completely out of it. Like this list does doesn't just doesn't stop. I was gonna. I'm glad you called that out. You've got five hammers, but very little anvil, which I think is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Is there any particular matchups or any things that you try to avoid, or you've got to really play out of your skins because you don't really have an anvil, right? Like, yeah, your clan rats can soak up a charge if someone you can turn one charge you. We were talking before we started the stream around um, the new KO armies of renown and being able mm-hmm. to potentially double shoot which is a very scary proposition, let alone some of the other things that are kind of emerging from the meta right now. Yes. So the lack of the anvil, it does come up sometimes. The thing is, my list, it doesn't really need one because as long as I'm getting the death frenzies off, I'm okay if somebody puts a big melee threat into me because I'm going to trade with it. So... My worst matchups with this list are usually um, Slanesh because they just stand and shoot. They run away from me. They shoot. They shoot off all the sensor bearers quickly. Then they they retreat out. They got easy battle tactics. Um, Slanesh is probably this list's worst matchup. I would even go as far to say that Croak is not that bad because, again, of the multiple hammers, right? They can take down all the sensor bearers, but the Vermin Lords have a ward to protect against the mortal wounds. And if one of the vermin lords touches croak, he's dead hundred times over. And the hell pit also really helps against croak because it's got a four up spell ignore. That is tough for, for Seraphon to deal with because the hell pit is just going to, it's going to blast its way through all the skinks and then get in. So my worst matchup with this list is definitely Slanesh. um, But I can still win that, especially with the putting 10 sensor bears off board, with the warp grinder. So I'll like bide my time. I'll usually run a unit of clan rats. I'll auto run them out 12 just to make sure the, the bliss barbs can't come too close to me. They spend a turn shooting at those clan rats. And if I win priority, I send the two 12 inch move vermin lords up and then I deep strike the sensor bears. And then I fish for a nine inch charge and send everybody in. So that's just so frail. If I can nail that nine inch charge, I just, I will kill all 66 bliss barbs or whatever in a single go. So it, it is a dice roll. I'm relying on a nine-inch charge. It's a bit swingy, but I would say Slanesh is my worst matchup with this list. What about OBR? Just because they are some of the grind kings right now. So I actually this list was actually first designed in order to beat OBR. And there's a reason for this. There's a wombo combo with the Vermin Lord Warbringer and Screech Vermin King. So Screech. He's got his rotating like areas of knowledge. Every hero face, he gets to pick a different one. 
One of them is for his glaive. Until my next hero phase, his six attack glaive goes to rend three, damage three. So he's got six attacks, threes and threes, rend three, damage three, which is pretty slappy already. But the Vermin Lord Warbringer with the Warpstone Charm, stuff in combat with him is minus one save. If I double charge the Immortus Guard with Screech and the Warbringer, Screech is at rend four. Then he hits himself with his own command ability to give himself plus one to hit and wound. Then he's throwing six attacks, twos and twos, rend four, damage three. And between the Warbringer and the Vermin King, they will easily drop six Immortus from full health. So this list does so much damage that I can punch through the Immortus immediately, and then I just get to play the objective game because OBR doesn't have its big central unit anymore after they've lost that six Immortus. So this list does quite all right into OBR. Does fight into gets because fight on death. I just buff up my fight on death. The squigs run in. Ten center bearers will trade with 30 squig herd. It's I know squig herd are wound dense, but sensor bearers with the rend one damage too just bypasses the squig armor. Yeah, my scrag rot's going for your your plague sensor bearers. I ain't putting squigs into oh, that. But yeah, absolutely. The, the, the sensor bearers trade up really well. And what yes, I wanted to hear what I wanted to hear from you, and I'm glad you called it out, is that through your warp ringer and screech you're able to cut through the OBR safe stacking shenanigans, which is what makes them so durable and powerful for their points. Mm-hmm. But again, that essentially ran four because you're getting the, you're reducing the safe by one. Uh, and, you know, if you happen to roll a six at six damage, that is what mm-hmm. will, will, that's what cuts through. Now it's a big commitment, but it's yes. what's going to cut through that block of six, a mortis guard uh, or necropolis stalkers that people are building into that yes. you just, they just keep kind of coming back, coming back, pinning you down while, you know. And, and you know, even in the current build, which is Null Myriad, moving away from Crematorians a little, um, you don't have a lot of offensive spells that they have to worry about outside of Mm-mm. Blizzard. Outside of Blizzard, like Null, that, that two-plus shrug is not going to really impact Hallfrost or Death Frenzy because you're casting it on yourself, not them. Yes, and actually, notably, against Null Myriad, I do have a lot of ranged mortal wounds from prayers. With the the Great Plagues and Pestilence, Pestilence, the War Scroll Prayer, I can do quite a bit of mortal wounds from range that they don't get a spell ignore against. So I'm pretty fine into Null Myriad, yeah. And one thing I, I did forget to mention that is very notable that helps with the the, the, the commitment of the two Vermin Lords into the Mortis Regular Death Frenzy from the Grey Seer can only be put on, like, Sensor Bearers or the Help It, but dreaded death frenzy from the warbringer can be put on vermin lords so the warbringer and screech can fight on death with that which is a huge deterrent nobody wants to go into a vermin lord warbringer that has flaming weapons that's consistently doing 30 plus damage in the combat phase nobody wants to touch that when it's fighting on death no. so if i get the fight on deaths up which you know primal dice 3d6 casting plus 1 to cast from the null hole i'm really consistently doing that if I get full coverage on fight on death on my whole army, nobody wants to interact. Nobody wants to come in and touch my stuff. It's 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 really bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know it needs the right. I don't. I know you know some of the, my most success with, with against Gaven lately has been Stormcast and having a lot of shooting, like having the volume mm-hmm. of damage to take out those sensor bears, for example, because they trade up so incredibly well. But you, yes. but, but yeah, there's a lot of offense. You focus on the plague sensor bearers, cool. There's still the vermin lords to worry about. So I dig this a lot. I like, and uh, it's all 
all speed, no no defense. The best yep. the best defense is offense is basically the the theme that, of this list. Yes, that is my, the best defense is a good offense. I'm always taking the initiative with that list, just going 100 miles an hour. I love it. It's so fun. Love it. If you're not first, you're last. The second. Oh, the second list is a deviation, but uh, tw- a little bit of commonality, but there's still some tweaks here. So same grain strats. Uh, the triumph doesn't matter because you're on 2K on the nose. Yep. So what have you got here? You've got three play priests. Um, you've got a heal curse, a rabid, rabid curse, and curse filth bringer, by the way. Uh, Phil filth, sorry. By the way, this has a uh, warlord with an extra prayer. If you're wondering how yep. the play priests have two prayers, you uh, have, what, a gray seer with skitter leap. You have a gray seer on screaming bell, which is the general diabolical schema, skaven, brood, death frenzy. You have a Warlock Engineer with Merciless Blizzard. You've got three units of 20 Clan Rats. All have the blades, uh, but it took up too much of my screen, so I had to remove that. You're fine. You have <laughs> you had two units of 10 Plague Sensor Bearers. You have a Warp 1, 2, 3 Warp Lightning Cannons and one Hell Pit Abomination. So that is Antorian Acolytes and Warlord with the Prayer. 2K on the nose. So... I actually prefer this one better, to be brutally honest with you. Maybe it's because I'm like a tipper. <laughs> Maybe because I just like warp lightning cannons, and I love that you've got to build into redundancy. And, like, you take one warp lightning cannon, and people are just disappointed. It's just rocks and diamonds. Yes. But when you have three, you get consistency across the three. Yes. Yes, the rule of large numbers starts to take over. So, obviously, I'm more partial to my list, and I think competitively my list is better than this, but I this just like, list... like I just I just like warp lighting cannons. Like oh, <laughs> that's so fair. I love them too. They're my like one of my favorite units in the book. Like that's all. That, that, that's all. That's all. That's, that's all I'm calling out. Oh, absolutely. I like warp lighting cannons. I am not disagreeing with you there. I love my warp lighting cannons. They're still one of my favorite units in the book. So this list is quite good, though. I have played it a little bit on the side. Obviously, not as much lately because I've been hard practicing for GTs and stuff with my main list. But this list plays the traditional Skaven game a little bit more and i think it does it much better now warp lightning cannons i think are our most efficient shooting unit they 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 average out decently well threes and fours is like six to eight mortal wounds if you roll that big one get that guaranteed 12 mortal wounds they can really pump out some big damage um you've got this list does battle tactics quite well because you've got three warp lightning cannons if you run into a monster that's basically a free tactic. Three Warp Lightning Cannons will drop just about any monster in the game. And then you do have three Pestilence Priests. So this list is built to be able to just sit back a little bit because you've got two book tactics that you can kind of fall back on with this list. Um, it's got the Gracie Your Own Screaming Bell, which is kind of like a great command center, blocks commands, sometimes gets minus one to hit from its little bell ring. It's durable. You poke the sensor bears with Skaven Brew for good damage. You got your Death Frenzy real consistent. So this is a pretty traditional, you got your Clan Rat screens up, you wait for them to hit the screens, and then you countercharge with sensor bears in the Hell Pit. In the meantime, you just shoot them down with Warp Lightning Cannons. Um, it's like a tried and true. I think it works quite well. If you're, you know, if you wanted to play Skaven for shooting, here you go. You got triple cannons. Blast away, my friends. <laughs> And if, you, and if you want to tweak this list, and by the way, folks, um, uh, these, these are not like the internet list. There is no one list that rules them all. So tweak and modify to your fancy. You want to chuck in a play called Catapult and 
you know, play into the pestilence things and some of the shenanigans do that. You obviously you can tweak the, the list to your heart's content, basically. This is not saying how to play Skaven or not to play Skaven. This is just absolutely Keegan. this is Keegan's preferences. Although yep. he although he's against me on here, like clearly this is the strong one. <laughs> like just just all the shooting, all the ones on those uh, lightning cannons and just blast everything off the smithery. Every... Never, roll, never roll a six. Just don't roll a six on them. Yeah, just don't roll sixes. Roll ones. Roll actually, you know what? If you got bad dice, if your dice are bad, I highly recommend giving warp lightning cannons a try. You can finally finally put all those ones and twos to good use. <laughs> no, knowing your luck, that's where you roll the sixes and you're like, oh. Yeah. No. Now this they're both lots of fun. Skaven is just tons of fun to play. Flexible. We play in every phase. We shoot, we fight, fight on death, teleports. We have it all. You know, it's just like if you're wanting to play a soup list with with all the options and good damage and every list, every game is gonna be a blast. We're here for you. Yeah. I, I think the key to this as well is that um lists are important but they're not the be all and end all and i think skaven is a great example where it's about trading it's about um the decisions that you make on the table and all of the interactions whether it is how you use your movement and your shenanigans how you uh choose target priority because of you know we talked about you know scurry away and there's so many things that you've really got to think about every decision you're making as opposed to just mm -hmm. this is the list i'm going to pilot it forward um, and I'm just going to win because of a powerful rule or, uh, you know, like it, it's not 40 K where it's like you build an archetype no. and you either execute the plan or you don't execute the plan. This is a game that it, this is a list that's going to be able to manipulate and, uh, and, and move through the, the five battle rounds, whoever you play against. I, I definitely agree. I think, obviously I think Skaven is a great army, like I, maybe not top tier, but I think they're great. Um, if I had to compare Skaven to one of the traditional like top tier armies right now, we do play quite similarly to Corn. It's an army that is very difficult to play. I'm not going to mince words about it. You you will need to practice Skaven a lot. There is a lot of options, but the better you are at the game and your fundamentals, and the better you understand your army, you can take Skaven very far. It is an army with an incredibly high skill ceiling um, in terms of just competitive play it's strong in all tiers of the game in my opinion um it, you know it's 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 similar to corn where if you just like throw your models on the table and you're having a good time you're going to you're going to probably do okay but you got you do got to put in the work a little bit with skaven it's not like sonesh where you can just stand and shoot and win games you got to work no. for it it's a steep learning curve you will yes. uh you you might lose some games you don't quite know why you lost and the, the last thing you should do is change your list immediately. Like it's, it's something about, it's, again, it's about the micro decisions as opposed to the list. Um, yes. Have you got a little bit more extra time for me? Because I've got some rapid fire questions from Discord. Go for it. That, I, that... I got nothing going on tonight. All right. So well, I'm going to go through rapid fire. This is, this is sure. elevator pitch stuff, right? Because we've got a lot of them. we got a Let's lot of it. questions. A lot of passionate Skaven players. All right. So Love to hear it. Kalida asking, has the new battle tactic been an effective uh, fix for us um, and have you been regularly scoring it? So you have already kind of acknowledged this a little bit. Yes. You have been scoring it consistently, but has it yes. been an effective fix for uh, Skaven? Fix? No. Helpful? Yes. It, we, we, needed a, we needed a good turn one battle tactic and we did not get a good turn one battle tactic. We needed a battle tactic that we could score without interacting. This battle tactic requires us to interact with the opponent still and that's fine. Another battle tactic is good. I'll take it, but it did not fix anything. It just, you know, made it a little bit easier for us. 
I will say though, a lot of armies don't have a good turn one battle tactic. To be fair, that like, is fair. Like, like a lot of people I speak to uh, doing these types of videos, it's always magical dominance, intimidate the invaders, mm -hmm. surround and destroy. The, like, very few people actually have a good turn one from their army. So, don't feel like that's an inhibitor. No, it's definitely not. But a fix would have been a good turn one tactic. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, Spike Vash saying, any opinions or lists using the Bell or Plague Furnace? So we've already demonstrated one list yes. just then with the Bell. But do you have any opinions on either the Bell and or the Plague Furnace? Uh, I think the Bell is very playable. Um, if you want to play it, uh, go for it. it. It really only makes sense in a castle list. I would probably not play the, the, the Bell in a very aggressive melee list like what I play competitively. Um, but yeah, the bell is playable. I think the bell is probably a bit more usable than the furnace. The furnace is more expensive and it's not a wizard. Uh, it does have the Battleshock aura. The bell does not. So if you're playing like tons and tons of bodies, go ahead and pick up a, a furnace. You'll get some use out of it. It is more durable than the bell, uh, which is one good thing to note. Uh, it does make a good, like you can almost make an anvil out of the plague furnace because it's 15 wounds Four up save, five up ward, minus one to be hit and wounded in melee. So it's no slouch in terms of durability. So you can leverage that. Um, but I would say that the bell is more usable than the furnace overall. That really surprises me just because I remember doing the Skaven preview when the Battletoe first dropped and the sheer outrage when the <laughs> Bell lost the Battleshock immunity bubble. Yeah. And basically people were in such a such emotional state that they were ready to throw their, <laughs> their models in the bin. That was just like this is the worst thing that could have ever happened yeah. to a Skaven. Um, but here we are, what, nine months, 12 months later, and we found a way. All it needed to do was drop like 80 points and lose lose a uh, push into battle, and then it's playable. Well, who thought factoring in a model that could summon a Vermin Lord, you know, like I think Games Workshop, when summoning comes into the party, they think the worst. But yes. it's so difficult to get that Vermin Lord out of the, the bell that, you know, you were paying for the sins of possibility. Yes, I 100% agree. In like every four games with the bell, I'll maybe I'll, I'll maybe summon it once every four games. I definitely the reason the bell is good is just because it's 220 points for a durable double caster that has plus two and sometimes gives out a minus one to hit aura. That is why you're taking the bell. Correct. And if you get the vermin lord, it's addition, but it's yeah. not a viable strategy to expect it hitting the table every turn. Absolutely. Uh, Pagaco saying, uh, Pagaco asking, what is the general turn one strategy for you? Uh, turn one strategy is get spells up as much coverage as I can. Get the I usually go for Death Frenzy on the Sensor Bearers first, and then I go for a Bless on the Hell Pit. Try to get um, Horfrost off on one of the Sensor Bearer units. Position, get the Clan Rats up in front, position behind the Clan Rats so. If they charge it, they're going to bring my stuff into combat, but won't be able to hit it. Um, and then I usually go for either Intimidate the Invaders or um, Magical Dominance, turn one. Uh, but yeah, generally turn one for Skaven is pretty slow. I very rarely go for risky alphas with teleporting the Vermin Lords and deep striking stuff. It almost never pays off. I just play the slow game, play reactively try to, you know, try to commit as little as possible until you're sure you can get a lot of value. 
Yeah, the best games I've played against Skaven players have always been a slower pace. The ones mm -hmm. that are the worst games, and it's usually worst for you, is yes. when you go super aggressive. When you go turn one, aggressive, in my face, try to deal as much damage, as long as I can handle whatever you're throwing at me, I can often respond. You're now out of your, your buff ranges. You are, yes. I can put my whole force into you and... That's usually the easiest games against Skaven, to be brutally honest. Yeah, Skaven definitely wants to be playing aggressive, but like reactive aggressive. I wouldn't go pedal to the metal. You're not, you're not um, ogres, maw. Oh, not you're not uh, frost lords. You're not iron jaws. Don't don't be doing that. You, stop you want to be treating. Reactive. Stop treating your vermin lords like frost lord on stonehorns because they're not. They are definitely not. <laughs> Manfred More 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 Talk saying uh, throughout the third edition army books, we've seen a few 5 and 0 lists that are all wildly different, but the overall win rate has stayed pretty low. Do you think you've cracked the one list of units that will all perform at the level needed to be 5 0? Or do you think that there's still room to be creative and draw more from the roster if you want to hit the top brackets? No, I've definitely not cracked the list. Uh, the The thing with Skaven is we we usually get because we have so much stuff. We usually get some value out of each G GHB when it comes around, and our meta and what's good for Skaven changes per the GHB. So there's never going to be one list that just lasts through third edition. Um, my current list, I am very happy with it. I think it holds up quite well. I have a few more events this year. We'll see how I do at them. But I definitely, I don't think there's the one list. I definitely, there are consistent models. Every every time that I've done well in a tournament, I have had Melee Warbringer. Um, every time I've done well in the tournaments, I have had um, Plague Priests, to my knowledge, um, and Grey Seers on foot. So definitely, if you want to go like a good tournament list that you want to go like 4-1 or 3-2 or even 5-0, I would definitely start with Warbringer, Gracier's, Plague Sensor Bearers, stuff like that. But there is no one formula. I like it. That 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 is a good. Uh, maybe the the um, Doom Wheels will return to your list. Maybe absolutely. Be. Who knows? Killy McGee asking. Actually, speaking of Warbringers, um, saying Killy McGee saying any thoughts on the lesser used Vermin Lords? So Warbringers seem best with the spell and the punch. Dreaded Skitter Leap pretty much is is uh, all that's taken on the Deceiver, uh, and the rest seem just to be like an addendum, right? Like, do you have any thoughts on the Molder or the Scryer Vermin Lord? And I tend to agree. Actually, I I don't think I've seen a Molder or a Scryer Vermin Lord for. A, Fair well, while. that's because there isn't a Mulder or Scryer Vermin Lord, unfortunately. There's, uh, we've got the Deceiver is a Eshin. We've got the Warbringer is Verminous. We've got the Corruptor is Pestilence. We've got the Warp Seer is Master Clan. And then Screech is Master Clan. There is no Vermin Lord for Mulder or Scryer. Oh, was that the Forge World one? Uh, I think the Forge Lord one was like a standalone. I, as far as to my knowledge, there's never been a uh, Scryer or uh, Mulder Vermin Lord. But I can talk about some of the less used Vermin Lords, which are uh, the Warp Seer um, and Screech and the Corruptor. Um, I love Screech. I've been playing him a lot lately. He gives us summoning, which is huge. His spell gives summoning. His spell is very good. You know, it does like seven to eight mortal wounds consistently. 
uh, on his go turn, when he gets that Ren 3 damage 3, he hits close to a Warbringer. And one of the reasons I love him the most is because his command trait is busted. It, it, he's a totem. So 18-inch issue. His command trait picks any Skaven unit, anyone at all, and gives it plus one to hit and wound. That is so good for consistency with like the Hell Pit and with um, with uh, uh, Plague Sensor Bears and stuff. You, you look at a little shook over there. Have you have you never noticed that there's no Scry or Vermin Lord? <laughs> I, I just assumed they had them. It's just that they mm-hmm. were trashed here and you just never saw them. No. I, yeah, there I, is I, not I, once. I, I, I assumed every Vermin Lord was one for, for every abil- uh, for every clan. I, would, that was my general assumption. You would think that would that would be the case, right? Apparently not. <laughs> but um, yeah, as I said, I am very partial to Screech. I love him a lot. I think he's very strong in combination with the Warbringer. They play off of each other very well. Um, uh, as far as the other ones, uh, the Corruptor's fine. I think what kills him is the 2d6 attacks. When he rolls a 2 or a 3 or even a 4 on that 2d6, he just does no damage. It's really sad. Um, his spell is fine um but it's definitely it's just a four up horde breaker it's definitely not as good as the other vermin lord war scroll spells um i have seen people try out the the warp seer to have like some use his little bravery aura is kind of useful if you're playing like rat ogres uh and his spell is very good i will i will say 18 inches d6 mortal wounds have runs and charges it's a great spell um, I don't think he does enough, though, compared to what the other Vermin Lords bring to the table. So I, I would probably steer clear of the Corruptor and the Warp Seer for now. But the Deceiver is playable. Screech is very good. And obviously the Warbringer is amazing. He's the best Vermin Lord. I assumed the Warp Seer was Scryer. Like, That's always, what I thought, too. I, I, I always assumed it. Like I'm just like, oh, he, yeah. he's got warp. He's always painted green. I'm like, must be Scryo. When I first started playing Skaven, I assumed that too. But no, he's Master Clan. Apparently, it's I. I, I don't get it either. <laughs> yeah, that's that's super bizarre. All right, uh, I've got a lot of questions from this one particular person. So shout out to is it Baldo? I noticed um, that he has like ten <laughs> million questions. So maybe we'll go through them all. All right. Maybe this is even more rapid fire than we just did. Uh, sure. Thankful with Longchen change, does it deserve? Do you think Thankful now deserves a point reduction because of the change with with uh, Longchen? Yes, I do. Four thirty is too much for what he for what he does for what he brings to the table. I he definitely needs to go down. He needs to cost a lot uh, similarly to what the other Vermin Lords cost because he he definitely does less than the Warbringer. So for you to bring it back into your list, you really needed around the high 300s. Yeah, I would say maybe I would consider running Thankful again at about 380 or 390, but 430 is definitely too much. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can appreciate that. Again, paying for the sins. Is Clan Eshen underrated? Uh, no, I think it's rated. I, I, think, I think Eshen's fine. I think... Uh, the people that do well with Eshin do well with Eshin. Uh, I don't think there's any hidden amazing tech that's super strong that people aren't realizing about Eshin. I think they're just fine. They do what they do well, um, but I don't expect anything more out of them than what I'm bringing them for, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Warp Lightning Cannons or Plague Claws? I think we've answered this one pretty obviously. Cannons, 100%. 
I don't mind yeah. the little debuff abilities from the Plague Claw, and you maybe have one in your list, but I don't know if I take more than one Plague Claw. Odd shout, I think Plague Claws are better in Nurgle than they are in Skaven. I think Nurgle uh, gets value out of what Plague Claws bring to the table more than what Skaven does. Um, I think, but yeah, I think Skaven does fine already against Hordes. I don't think we need a Hordebreaker artillery, uh, but Nurgle can get use out of it, so... For all you Nurgle people watching this Skaven video, try allying a Plague Claw in. Or coalitioning yeah. a Plague Claw in. I wouldn't mind seeing that, actually. I would not mind seeing that. One of my good friends uh, does that, and he has good luck with it. Uh, What's next? Uh, I'm going to skip a couple of the questions. Um, sure. Was was the removal of Warp Gale from the Gracia spell law unfair? Um... I say yes, but I understand why they did it. It is a very, it was a very, very strong spell for just a foot hero, a little gracier foot hero to have, but I do mourn its loss. It was just a base. I think if I remember correctly, it was 24 inches, D3 mortal wounds, halves run and charges. That is a very strong spell for just a random foot hero to be holding. Um, I I don't think they needed to simplify the gracier lore down. I think that I'm running enough Grace Ears where six spells in the spell lore is, is not too much. Um, I, I, I mourn it, but uh, but I see why they got rid of it, and I don't really I don't really complain too much about it. It's just what it is. Yeah. Uh, Stepsister Trap Machine saying, what abilities would you add or change from the bell to restore it to its former glory? Uh, do you like Skaven Brew, and how would you change it? Okay, that's two questions. That's a bit sneaky. I like Skaven Brew as is. I wouldn't change a thing about it. Free plus one attacks is nice. Um, changing the bell. Um, what I would do is just simplify it down. Just give it, get rid of all the other crap that it has. Just give it the minus one to hit aura. That's it. Just have it have a 13 inch aura of minus one to hit and then make the Vermin Lord something, summon related to something else. Like, I don't mind if you keep the Vermin Lord summon how it is. I would prefer some sort of like cumulative points like most of the other summoning armies have like you collect some sort of points over the game and then you can spend them to summon that's how usually you summon demons i don't want it to be tied to some random knock like one shot ability that sometimes happens but yeah i would just i would just bin all of the other abilities that the bell does and just have it have the permanent minus one to hit aura yeah yeah i think for me i hate the idea of having summoning baked into a completely random ability so yes. if you are going to do it i want consistency i would almost maybe challenge the rules writers to say well let's not make them summon a vermin lord let's summon something else maybe the yeah. bell can kind of bring in giant rats bring in rat swarms bring in uh clan rats give me something that is more because if you, you you talked about corn before you talked about how uh skaven has a lot of commonality with corn corn don't save up for a bloodthirster they want to get out flesh house yeah. they want to get out blood letters they want to get out chaff throughout the game to screen Absolutely. to hold objectives so for me getting more value out of like smaller 100 point units throughout the course of the game would be much more valuable than trying to save up for this once per game thing that will often or rarely happen. Yes. Or it comes in too late to be too impactful. Yes. Let me summon five sensor bearers or 10 clan rats or anything like that. I would much prefer that to summoning a 400 point vermin Lord that may or may not happen and may or may not do anything. 
I, I, I'll, I'll be the Pied Piper. Summon all the giant rats. Bring all the giant yeah, rats to the fold. Like just, just constantly every turn you're bringing in more rats like the Pied Piper. I'm so here for that. Please. All right. Well, I'm going to ask you one final question, and then we kind of bring yes. it home. If you if you got to control the um, the next Skaven book, um, forget the rules. Oh, I, I'll let you do rules as well. But like, what do you want to see added to the next Skaven book whenever it happens? Uh, is it uh, is it expansion of the one of the clans? Is there some some significant rewriting? Like, what do you want to see? I want them to. I want to see two two main things jump to, to come to mind. I want them to see. I want to see them tone down all of the randomness. Please, no more two d six move, two d six attacks. You know, on a one, I hurt myself for d three. Randomness is is just not fun for if, if you're trying to be competitive with the army and you're just like hoping a bunch of things happen. It's not. It's not very fun, and it's it's just kind of a feels bad when you're like. You really you need your help pit to just move five inches. I, I only need five inches to get this charge, and then he rolls snake eyes, and it's just like I hate when that kind of stuff happens. I, I would love to see them do what they did with the Gitz book, where just make it move like seven plus d six, and make it like a set number plus d six instead of two d six. I want to. See I that was happen. going. I was going to say that because old Gitz, for example, I used to run squigs, and what would grind my gears is my mangler squig would move three d six. Yes, and that sounds great. My opponents would go, what do you do? I'm like, I don't know, man. I could roll a four. I could roll an 18. I've got no idea. And the mm-hmm. amount of times I've played an army where a linchpin model has rolled a terrible move and it means that it's completely collapsed my strategy because I can't apply certain buffs or I'm not in range. As a tournament player who's looking for consistency, uh, one of the biggest impacts of the new book is literally what you just said, is uh, a squig hopper will move 10 plus D6. So I've yes. got a guaranteed minimum of 11 up to 16. And that helps me determine what I want to do throughout the turn. It's, such a, quality, it's a quality of life improvement that has changed the way I played Gits. Yes, absolutely. I would love to see that. Uh, and then the other thing I would really like to see is expand on Clans Mulder uh, and expand on Clans Eshin. I want to see those two clans get some love for sure. Uh, and then I want to see some sort of summoning skaven and i want to skaven at its core is supposed to be a horde army and we don't really feel like that right now like i do enjoy the way we play i love the techie stuff i love fielding vermin lords and big monsters and stuff like that but for those of us who want to field like 180 clan rats and then a whole bunch of other stuff and then just have big moving masses of rats i think we should be able to do that that's what skaven that's like every Skaven book that you open or every piece of lore that you read about Skaven, they always talk about the endless scuttled scurrying tide of rats and all that stuff like that. I'm like, well, I'm running like 60 models in my list. That's not really an endless tide. I mean, Soulblight does the endless hordes better than we do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can appreciate that. I, I think there are other ways to do that. Like for example, give me a giant size based uh, rat swarm. Sure. So if, if you if you if Games Workshop don't want to have like a horde of clan rats and that's not the vision they want, cool. But give me some way to bring that on and give me yeah big big bases of swarms. Give me some big I don't know some some way to control the board with with a lot of bodies and a lot of wounds to create that story yes. and supplement it with clan rats. I don't know. 
Yeah, I agree. That would be cool. I just something to make us feel a little bit more horny. But I like, I do. I am a fan of the majority of the rules that are in here. I just leave Master Clan as it is. I love three claw steps ahead. Please do not change that ability. Leave Pestilence as it is. I love how Pestilence are right now. Like, I just want to see them expand Eshin and Mulder. I want to see some some more some more uh, maybe some summoning. Get rid of the a lot of the randomness. Let's just see some more consistency across the board. Let's not be. Let's not have randomness be our defining army characteristic. Let's let the insanity of our damage and our war machines and our monsters and the hordes, let's let that be our defining characteristic. I will say that I enjoyed the, the randomness. And, you know, Killy McGee had another question around, you know, how can he get away from his rattling gun addiction? Because, like, when you when a rattling gun goes off and, you know, you can spike with some crazy numbers... Like, as a Skaven player, you love it. You love to see yeah. this, this unit, like, over-deliver on what you expect. But you've got to ride the fact that sometimes it's crap and it does nothing and you accept it, right? Because the points the yeah. points are at a fair price. But when that happens to, let's say, a, um, uh, what's it called, the uh, Hell Pit Abomination, that's a yeah. lot of points to fail on you. And yes. it's that... No, I get, yeah, I 100% agree. I don't mind the randomness and the, the potential swinginess with all the weapon seams and stuff like that, but 2d6 attacks on a 400 point Vermin Lord, like, come on, please, yeah. please stop. Yeah. yeah, 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 agree, agreed there. Like, there's a points, there's a points bracket that once you're exceeding that, the randomness is too much to, to accept. That, mm. um, Keegan, is there anyone that you want to shout out? If people want to chat to you, you are absolutely incredibly active in my Discord uh, as Mechrat. Uh, I'm sure you're active uh, as well on the socials in general. But where, who do you want to shout out and where can they find more about you? I want to give shout outs to uh, definitely to Warpfire Minis who helped me design my current competitive list. Um, it's, it's, it's very much his list tweaked a little bit. Um, shout out Kieran Co- Co- Cotez, I think it's how you say his last name. Co- sorry, Co- Kieran. Coates. Coates. Coates, Kieran Coates. Shout out both of those guys for helping me uh, prepare for all the GTs and stuff like that. Lots of helpful advice. Shout out to the whole Skaven chat for just being awesome and the most like lots of great discussion going on there. Um, yeah. And shout out to you, Coach, for having such a great server and enabling all the zaniness that the Skaven chat gets into. <laughs> Look, I, I truly believe that high tide lifts all boats. And I think, you know, this is kind of where, like, you know, whether you come to my Discord or not, whether you're chatting on Facebook or Reddit, like, it's irrelevant. You know, chatting to people, getting ideas, you know, putting this out like, hey, I've got this crazy idea. Have you seen this work? What do you think? You know, getting getting ideas, it doesn't mean everyone's right, but you can get some new thoughts around a concept. And there's been plenty of people who have broken through, have been told this is a terrible idea and actually proven as a crazy genius. And then everyone else is chasing them um, for their meta-leading kind of ideas. So um, build the list that you want to you build, but community is so important for this game. And um, I'm just fortunate to have an awesome one. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully I see you in a couple of weeks. Absolutely. IRL. Yeah. I will I will try my hardest to get to Atlanta. I want to I I definitely gotta rep the rats there. I will I will make it happen. Well you have to, you have to. And you know what? Kieran might be there too, but who knows? He's playing in a in a final right now for a ticket. So Ooh. who knows? Could be like yeah. a meeting of the council. That's right. That would be awesome if both Kieran and I can rep the rats there. That would be that would be peak. 
<laughs> Mekrat, Keegan, I think you have done an incredible job to prove that Skaven are not the worst army in the game. And I think nobody could, could refute your claims. And uh, I hope to see through the, the, the list tailoring and the discussion, the way that people think about what you've shared. And if people want to hear what Kieran has shared, he shared something on my channel just prior to the last uh, GBH. So there's plenty of still good stuff from that, even though it's an old video, six months old. Uh, it is definitely uh, still valuable. So go check that out. Go check out the other videos on the channel and, you know, compare the ideas and then the thinking and the science behind list construction and tweak it accordingly to the current general's handbook. But if you've enjoyed this, uh, thank you so much to, to Keegan, my guest. Uh, thank you for everyone who's listened to us for this long. Uh, thank you for the random little interruptions we've had via our technology, but that's <laughs> life. That's how technology works. It never always works 100%. But if you enjoyed it, leave a comment in the comment section. I'm always curious to hear what crack science you've all got from um, sniffing the warp stone and, you know, kind of working out the new ideas. Uh, leave a, make sure you press like, and if you haven't subscribed already, make sure to press subscribe. And I hope to see you all in the, in the escape and chat. Like, the link in the Discord is down below, and you can come chat Skaven with us. Yeah, come on down. The warp stone's fine. Yeah, just stop uh, stealing my cheese, man. Like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a cities <laughs> player. Like, like I, I should, I should show you something. Um, I built a display board a couple of years ago. I got third at a um, a major tournament, Australia's biggest, and it was my cities of Sigma, the old, the old version of cities of Sigma, and it was a city at the top. Like, and you know, my army was marching forward, but I built a second layer. I had a whole bunch of Skaven tunneling under my oh. city uh about to basically counterattack, uh which is which we know from fantasy days of you know skaven would, would come underground and like you know uh steal my my, my cheese and and you know do do, do skaveny things but yeah oh, I, should, I, I should put a photo up like it, it was it was a lot of fun because actually right. three the 3d printed a bunch of um I don't know if you've ever seen them, like Dungeons and Dragons. You can build um, little like dungeons and um, for anyone that wants to play. So, like, I basically just built a little dungeon maze and then had like a whole bunch of Skaven. And some of my friends were very generous donating Skaven models to got a bunch of clan rats and a bunch of bunch of like little uh, heroes or claw lord, I think, from here oh, and that's there. That's awesome. That's I'll, so I'll put, cool. Please, I'll do. put it in Discord. I'll po post it on Discord. It was a lot of fun. Please do. I would love to see cool. it. Will do. All right. Have a good night. Thank you, everyone who listened, and uh, we'll make sure to roll plenty of ones on your warp lightning cannons. Yeah, look at that. All skating. <laughs> I wish you all the best of luck. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thanks for hanging around until the end. I hope you enjoyed that video and you walked away with a few new ideas. Now, if you did, I would love it if you press like on the video as well as left me a comment with your thoughts. The conversation will continue over on Discord and the link is down below in the episode description. I also want to give a massive shout out to the AOS Coach patrons and YouTube members who are supporting the channel and the growth that you're seeing here. So cheers, you are all bloody legends. And until next time, don't roll a double one on a spellcast.